Hello, welcome to Riot Act, the alternative music podcast, episode 101, Room 101. We've got something that we would probably put into Room 101 coming up later on in the show. Uh, My name is Stephen Hill. I am your host. Alongside me, as ever, is Renfrey Deadman. How are you, Renfrey? You all right? Yes, I'm having a lovely morning. I mean, you're not convincing me in any way whatsoever, but fine. Um, Let's move on. Yeah. Uh, On this week's show, we're going to be reviewing new albums from Bush, from Yezu, from Sharptooth and from Interarmor. Plus on Broken Records, we, um, well, fuck, I usually think it's something clever here to say, but there really is nothing clever to say about this. Uncle fucking Cracker and his debut (laughs) album, Double Wide, is going into Broken Records. I've got, uh, amongst I've got other things. I've I've um I've got three pages of notes on Uncle Cracker. I'm going to wow. warn you now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I, is probably got... probably the most amount of notes I've ever had for any single album we've ever done. <laughs> Get ready. Um, <laughs> thanks to Musicism though, like I like those guys. Mm, very much. Don't so. you? Mm, yeah, love they them. They do sort of online tutorials for people who want to be better at music, and I think that's a good thing. Sorry if that's controversial. Sorry if the man don't like it. I think it's fine. I think that's a good thing to do. Um, so they do. If you want to be a better guitarist, you you should be a better guitarist. I think that's all right. Go over to musicism.net, musicism.net, that is. And you can sign up for all of their uh, various courses for guitarists and singers and vocalists, which is basically the same thing, sort of. Um, although we will be discussing the difference between a vocalist, or I will anyway. I've been thinking about the difference between a vocalist and a singer this week, Renfrey. Right. And I'm going to bring that up later on in the show. Excellent. And um And producing as well. So if you feel like you want to get involved in that, I would suggest you go over to musicism.net. Put the code RIOT in capital letters into the checkout. You'll get 25% off and you'll get access to all of their excellent courses, which is one place to go. Um, The other place to go, as ever, we should give a big shout out to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Riot Act podcast. We've got a brand new secret. No, we haven't. We've got a brand new classic album um, coming on Monday for those of you who have signed up for our £5 a month tier where you get a couple of them. And I believe, Renfrey... We don't know what it is yet, do we? Is it going to be blur? Well, I think it's good. That's all we've got really to put out at the moment, isn't no, it? No, I so think I you're think, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So I think it's probably going to bash what not one up together really, really quickly. No. So I think Park Life by Blur. Yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, it's yeah. coming out on Monday. Park Life, um, which was one of my picks. Certainly not one of yours. Certainly not. Maybe the most we've ever disagreed on a record in that particular forum, I, I would so. say. I think so. Um, but I think I kind of battered you into Britpop submission by the end. Sort you- of. You made me like it maybe, I mean, if out of 10, you maybe made me add one to the to what my final score would have been if I had to give it a final score. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can find out what that is on Monday. Um, but if you are sitting here twiddling your thumbs, going, I'm going to listen to this and then I'll just be twiddling me bloody thumbs, waiting around for the next thing to happen. Um, there is a brand new writer's review. Apologies because of Renfrey's endless computer woes. Um we haven't had a proper chance to go in on any writers reviews over the last couple of weeks, but hopefully we made it up to you by putting out a almost feature length long episode on Scream Bloody Gore by was, Death, the debut almost, album by almost, Death. Almost an hour, wasn't it? Yeah, it was yeah. Quite, quite a long one. Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, there was a bit of healthy debate I saw mm-hmm. from people who didn't listen to it. Thanks, Joe Nunn. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of people going, well, when you said that, you don't know what we said because uh, we, we can see who is our patrons, by the way. <laughs> you can't just go, well, I listened to it. No, you didn't listen to it. Um, but yeah, we, uh, you know, a bit of chat about what the first ever death metal record was, where that record sits in the canon of death's discography, where death would be now if um, Chuck hadn't tragically passed away. Yeah. Um, yeah. The kind of legacy they left as a band, why that album, Scream Bloody Gore, sounds so much better than so many of, not just its contemporaries, but so many of the bands that have come in the aftermath of death metal. Um, why yeah, they're, why they're so underrated, generally, mm-hmm. in, the, in the press, including by ourselves, in a way. Yeah, a little bit. So, yeah. We let Death Heaven into our uh, Venn diagram of Riot Act. I, instead of I think there's, I think there's, there's still a good argument for it, I think. But yeah, I understand. There's still a good argument when you consider what else we had put in. But I do feel quite... When I... I I held my head in my hands a little bit. You can go go on the Patreon page and you can you can go and see what I'm talking about. But anyway, yeah, patreon.com forward slash right act podcast. There's already loads and loads of writers reviews up there. There's a good, um, healthy handful of classic album podcasts up there as well. And it seems to be building quite nicely. So I just want to say I am hugely grateful for your continued support. That's from me. Just me, not Renfrey. Renfrey hasn't actually expressed that. Let's see if he wants to. No, he doesn't even want to. <laughs> Just take your money. No, no, no word of thanks I'm at all. I'm enormously grateful. Sorry. <laughs> I'm enormously grateful. Thank you very much. I do appreciate it. <laughs> oh, good. Hey, good week for news, isn't it, Rimfrey? Fuck me. <laughs> yes. What a good, what a nice, what a nice week it's been. I mean, um, I mean, a good, ne- good week for news in terms of there being lots of news. I mean, good. <laughs> well, it's up and down, isn't it? Up and down. Mm. On the 5th of July, the day after America's birthday, good of him to <laughs> give it a late present, Kanye West, he of Kanye West fame, said, we must now realise the promise of America by trusting God, unifying our vision and building our future. I am running for the President of the United States. Hashtag 2020 vision. Um, I mean, it came in the aftermath of him. He just released a new song. Uh, a couple of days before mm. um he's, he's, he's released, promoting a new album isn't he he's got a new album coming out um i don't think really there's any real indication actually i mean on the day it happened it was like oh well, that is there was chat about elon musk bankrolling him because although kanye west is rich he's not that fucking rich he can run for president i mean that costs a lot of money and it takes a lot of just to get on the ballot and all of those states i know a fair bit about this as i have a you know, an American girlfriend who um, have American parents who are very obviously invested in the current political climate in the, the US, in obviously. America. So we talk about that quite a lot with that election coming up. And uh, it's not easy to get on the, the ballot for, you know, for, for the elections in all of those states. You have to have, I can't even we- remember exactly how many people, but you have to have a lot of people go, yes, that's fine. And you have to pay a lot of money in each state to get on each individual ballot. Yeah, we've tried several times, haven't we? And we have, with, yeah. With no success so far. Um, so, mm. yeah, uh, I mean, we can we can, we can, can um, stick up for how difficult that is. I mean, uh, do you think this is a serious, um, a serious proposal or is it uh, merely to sell records or just garner attention? 
I think it's a bit. I think it's all of the above. Really, it's one of mm. those rare things where it's kind of all of the above. But on the on the one hand, it definitely is to sell records and to get people talking about him. Definitely, I think that's true. It's a it's a marketing tool, if you like. Um, but also, I wouldn't put it past Kanye West to genuinely think that he'd be a good president. No. Um, I mean, one of the biggest egos on the planet, isn't he? He is, yeah. And there's also a kind of a nefar. There was a kind of nefarious undertone to a lot of this, which we actually discussed on the day that this broke, Renfrew. We were on the phone and we started chatting about it. And um, Kanye West would be running as an independent, so the chance of you know he's not obviously he's not going to get in, but you have his kind of. his seeming, I, w- I don't know if I should go as far to call it a, f- a friendship, but certainly his his uh, admiration of Donald Trump has been fairly well documented over the last couple of years. Uh, he's been pictured with him. He's been pictured wearing a Make America Great Again hat. Um, now, usually, I mean, this might be a kind of something of a, a, a radical piece of stereotyping on my part, and apologies if you feel that it is, but I would say usually the type of people that vote for Donald Trump are not really going to be interested in Kanye West and his music and him as a personality where the Republican vote, the people that are voting for Joe Biden, the Democrat, what did I say? Republican? Oh, I'm fucking, I'm, I'm never going to make Jeremy Paxman. I'm going to do that again. Cause I don't even want that getting cut. Out. You are, I be you that. are ruining our chances of running for presidency. You fucking yeah. idiot. Um, did I, I can't believe I said Republican. Um, whereas people that would usually be more predisposed to the Democrat party vote are probably more likely to be Kanye West fans. Mm-hmm. in the main mm-hmm. i look at donald trump's fans and i think you probably listen to uncle cracker <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes uh, and so i don't think that there's going to be many um many of that group who are going to go oh i bloody love kanye west let's wait for him rather than these two um but on the other side it's a little bit more murky isn't it so um yeah there is a little bit of a sort of a nefarious undertone to that Renfrew, do you not think? Well, certainly. I mean, I did read somewhere that Trump's sort of come out in support of Kanye West, which is kind of insane because obviously he'd be running against him in theory. So, mm. yeah. It's well, that of, says it all, really, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it says it all. I mean, it's um, it's just ridiculous. I, 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 there's this argument that it sort of splits the vote even further um, away from... Trump's uh, uh, competitors, let's say. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I'm being careful around this because I'm sort of aware that I, I my American politics knowledge is, you know, shaky. Not shaky. But um, yeah, yeah well, the, so is Donald Trump's. To be yeah. fair, so. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's. Um, I think it's whilst whilst the chance. I mean. I'm reluctant to say the chances of him getting in a slim because so many people said that about Trump. And I do, I do believe that the chances are incredibly slim uh, running as an well, independent. Well, it's him, him, yeah, him winning it as an independent. I mm. think it's, you know, and, and we, I, we don't really even know if he is actually going to run. Um, no, no. I would be a little bit surprised, but I think the kind of, the idea of it, especially as an independent, I mean, what, what it does make me think is that 
I mean, they said this shit about Schwarzenegger for years, didn't they? Before we actually got into office and became the governor of California, the governator, um, before he became the governator. Uh, any you know, excuse to bring out your Arnie. Any excuse. <laughs> um, and it was, uh, you know, Trump sort of threatened it for years and years and years. This might just be the first time. I wouldn't be surprised if in sort of 15 years or so, we do get a legit run or attempt to run by Kanye West. I actually wouldn't be surprised by that. I don't think it's going to happen now, but I think this is like the the seed being planted. So, um, mm, you know, maybe Watch if there space. is if there is a sort of positive spin to be had on the sort of Armageddon that's happening right now. I mean, if the world did end and we all died, at least we wouldn't have to wonder about whether or not Kanye West had become president. <laughs> Always look on the bright side. That's Always like. look on the bright side. That's what I like about you, Steve, you're an optimist. I know I am. Yeah, I am. Um, so that happened. And that's just sort of, I'd say that's sort of a bit dark and dubious and weird and silly and a lot of things. But um, the next one is really not as nice, to be fair. There's nothing really funny about this at all. Um, Tom Meehan. Is that how you say it? Me- Meehan? I've never said his name out loud. From right. Kasabian. The singer from Kasabian. Gives, um, Mian, yeah. Mian, I reckon. Mian, yeah. So um, this week just gone, I think it was on Wednesday as we record. No, today is Wednesday. So it would have been Monday. So I was doing it when it, when it went out. Hmm. Uh, it was Monday. Um, hmm. Just gone. Uh, Kasabian released a statement um, saying that he'd stepped down from the band in order to deal with personal issues. Then comes out and a lot of people saying, oh, you know, I hope it's he's all right and he's a legend blah, 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 and all this sort of stuff. Mm. Um, lots of sort of, oh, no, put, you know, it's a shame and get well. And then the next day mm. it kind Cut, of comes yeah. out that he's actually done something pretty, pretty horrible. Um, uh, he has admit, admitted to assaulting his ex-fiance, um, pleaded guilty. Uh, he's given an 18 month community order and has been told to carry out 200 hours of unpaid work. Um, I mean, you know, they've kicked him out. They've the band have then sort of flip flopped a bit on this Kasabian and said, "Oh, we we couldn't keep him in the band after we found out about what this happened, and morally we didn't feel that we could do this." But uh, I think a few people are kind of annoyed that in the in the way in which they did it, it does feel a little bit like a slightly odd thing to do. I mean, presumably well, they knew this was about to happen. Well, it does feel like, you know on monday they were just trying to kind of say it's personal issues which you know don't they said that they're not going to comment any further on the personal issues on the monday statement got Um, some sort of legality in that right quite possibly quite possibly Mm. i mean i don't really know there's some stuff i mean yeah i reckon it probably they must have not i mean i don't know maybe maybe they didn't quite know exactly what was going on who knows i have no idea um i mean there is to, to give you a a similar sort of i mean i don't know much about wrestling but do you know about chris benoit i've been watching this um thing the dark side of the ring uh which is about all the kind of bad things that have happened in wrestling over the years and chris benoit um basically was found dead in his sort of home and the WWE, the World Wrestling Entertainment, whatever it's called, um, they ran this big tribute night to him when they found out he had died. And then the next day, they find out that actually it was a double murder-suicide and he killed his wife and his son and then himself. Oh, shit, I didn't know And that. then they had to go on and go, oh, actually, we don't. And he's just basically been completely whitewashed from the company's history now. Mm. So 
you know, and, and that wasn't there, you know, they, they were sort of forced into a corner a bit, weren't they? Where they, where, you know, we've got a live show that's on now and we've just found out this guy's died. We can't really just ignore it, but we don't really know what's going on. Might have been a touch of that in Kasabian. Who knows? Nobody really knows. But um, it's a pretty grotty old thing to have happened. And if you do read, I'm not going to read, you know, the kind of the details as to, uh, you know, what all of those charges entail. But it's pretty, it's pretty grim. It's, it's pretty, pretty grotty grim. behavior. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's not in Kasabian anymore. I would imagine, can you think they're going to get a new, I mean, on a sort of musical level, um, can you imagine them getting a new sing, another singer? Oh, strange Serge is sort of the yeah. Serge is sort of the main one. I'll yeah, tell you exactly. What, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back in a year or so. Because if you do read the comments on Twitter, uh, which is not always particularly accurate of life in general, but I think in this case it seems to be fairly accurate. Um, most Kasabian fans are like, "Oh, why have you kicked him? Oh, you shouldn't have kicked him out. Why?" Oh, right. um, I'm not this. Yeah, I mean, you know. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Kasabi, t- Tom back in Kasabian in 18 months and well, everything completely forgotten about because who, it doesn't really... Who knows, Kasabian could re- could go on to release this record where he's, you know, incredibly remorseful for all the things he does and then, you know, it could be seen as this absolute masterpiece and yada, 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 or then maybe it won't be. I, I mean, I just don't know. I think there are people who have... Um, done things as bad that have continued to have careers i would say yeah 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 yeah, absolutely Mm. um we all love aussie don't we apparently we all love um we're going to be talking about someone later in the show who's done something i'd say as bad um yeah you know uh who continue to have a career of sorts um yeah, so it's not beyond the realms of possibility. Who knows whether that's right or wrong? I don't know. I don't think it's really our place to say. But um, no, I mean, I've, I'm, I'm very much. Like, I'm, I'm not bothered by. It. I quite like that first Kasabian album. Um, I don't really listen to them. I don't really have any strong opinion on them, them or their music. I think these they're days, fucking really. shit. I think they're fucking okay. shit. If it's any consolation. But yeah. Okay. Well, I think the first album's good. Um, is I that, mean, to be honest, is that the one with Clubfoot on it? Yeah, Clubfoot's got a good riff. Yeah, I mean, it's just a bad version of the Keeper Temple Clause. I will that, take that to the grave. I, no, I, just, I absolutely agree with you. Yeah, mm. And I think Sabian should be removed and the Cooper Temple Clause should just be put in their place. Oh, that would be wonderful. As festival headliners. That would be... I mean, that I'd that love feels that. like... And that's just musical-based. That's nothing to do with this. That's just... That would be justice for good music yes. over not as good music frankly and, and that is actually our first policy for running for the american presidential <laughs> election yeah yeah i mean look people who listen you know i like i said i don't know about kasabian people will probably still continue to listen to them that's up to them really man like i'm not i mean fucking hell if jeffrey epstein released the shape of punk to come i'd probably go and put flowers on his grave <laughs> so like i am really in no position to to talk about you know i i don't I care if people are nice or not, but in terms of what music I listen to, I just listen to what I think sounds good. The end. There are plenty of people who have been in sort of domestic violence situations who I do continue to listen to. I mean, Axl Rose, um, uh, Queens of the Stone Age. Um, I mean, there there are a lot, really, at the end of the day. Um, (sighs) 
I mean, I don't like Sabian, so <laughs> it's not going to yeah. affect my listening. I mean, I doubt, I'm sure I can, I'm sure, you know, if I want to feel, to pat myself on, on the head and feel like I'm a good person, um, which I I don't, but um, I would just say, well, I won't, I, I can easily give up listening to that first Kasabian album. Then I'm a good person, aren't I? But then, <sighs> but then, but then there's a difference between, you know, Axl Rose doing it and uh, Queens and Stoney's doing it. And now because, because of this, the well because of the society that we find ourselves in and there's i think there's good things about that i think there's maybe not so good things about it but um yeah it's a different time to be doing that i mean if 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 i'm sure if axel rose did come out and do something like that now then there probably would be calls for uh guns and roses to be cancelled and so on and so forth the fact that he did i think i think it would be difficult to remember i mean this is the thing like hearing when people talk about michael jackson or david bowie um and they sort of compared them to pop punk bands and stuff and it's like well the that you know the sound and music that they've made for so long has been so interwoven into society that i think that it's almost bigger than them as an individual so i don't think you can get rid of that i don't think kasabian are at that point but i think guns and roses if you tried to remove sweet child of mine from society yeah, because yeah. of what Axel Rose. I just don't think I think it's bigger than Axel Rose. Yeah, I agree. That, that would be that would be I don't think you can you can't get rid of man. You might want to get rid of Man in the Mirror as much as possible. Yeah. And you might be disgusted by Michael Jackson, but that song is bigger than Michael Jackson and it's bigger than his rep, his reputation. And it's just it's so deeply, whether rightly or wrongly, interwoven into the fabric of the the universe yes you know and it would be like going i'm gonna we're getting rid of light bulbs <laughs> well you can't can you like we found out that the guy we found out that the guy who invented light bulbs is a massive homophobe we're getting rid of light bulbs no you're not you can't you can't yeah. get rid of light bulbs it's and the same to, it's essentially the same thing to be clear we're not saying that that's right or wrong it is it is just it's a it, fact it is just a yeah. fact i mean you know michael jack i'm just having a quick look now michael jackson still gets 23 million 23 and a half million monthly listens on Spotify alone a month. So, you know, all, all the stuff that's the leaving Neverland stuff and all that kind of thing. It has not had an effect on people listening to him. End of story. It's because his it music's hasn't. too big. Yeah. It's too big. It's too big to get rid of. You can't, you can't get rid of it. Yeah. It'd be like getting rid of bricks. Yeah. You can't. Um, getting rid of bricks. I imagine. <laughs> you find either, oh, the, bloke who, <laughs> the bloke who invented bricks. It was a real racist piece of shit. Everybody get rid of your bricks. People would go like, I can't believe you've still got bricks as I live in my house made out of paper mache. Like you just, <laughs> I'm sorry, but like you can't, you just can't. Mm. And it's not going to, although, you know, it, Kasabian, not... I think it's easy to get rid of Kasabian. Oh, please. I mean, I, I, I would love nothing more than to, for the world to be rid of Kasabian, but, but it, it, it's, it's not likely to happen, is it? Let's face it. No, I don't. Think Either way, you know, whether it no. should or shouldn't is up for debate, but it's not going to happen. So, mm. especially when you look at their fans get, tweeting, "How dare you not let your mate just beat up a girl?" Well, quite. I mean, most of their fans probably do beat up girls on a regular basis, so uh, ooh, might cut that. Uh, might, leave, <laughs> might leave it in. <laughs> I think leave it in, and then just for the record, I was like, "Poor." Um, <laughs> Because I have no idea if that's true or not. I mean, anyway, I have to, I have to say that is a sweeping generalisation based on fuck all. <laughs> so, mm. yeah, but there we go. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, but I mean, I think what you what Renfrey was trying to say there <laughs> is that... 
um, indie music and that scene in general has a very football lad kind of culture behind it. Yes. You put and, it far better there than I did. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And that kind of like all the lads together, just hashtag banter, doing what we want, telling it how it is, um, probably overrides any sort of sense of <laughs> morality, I would imagine. Shit people tend to attract shit people. Well, I mean, that seems like, I mean, we here we are. <laughs> Seems a bit harsh. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm being very general today, <laughs> but, you know, you know, <laughs> whatever. Um, well, let's try and hone that in a little bit, Renfrey, as we move on to some reviews. So the geezers left Kasabian, um, and let's start Don't with do go on. Ennio Morricone. Oh yes, we should. I mean, that is. Uh, I mean, yeah, you're right. And Ennio Morricone, um, the uh, the very very famous film composer who has made some of the most iconic uh film scores in the history of cinema very very sadly passed away mm. this week at uh, the ripe old age 91. of i believe it was 91 yeah, i thought it was 92 actually i was just about to turn 92 so i mean i don't want to be like he had a good innings um because people do often say that but i mean what i would say is he's met he's you know it's a fucking an incredibly long life and he was even doing films up until i mean he did the tarantino um, hateful eight, hateful eight mm -hmm. uh only kind of a few years ago he never uh, really never really did he retire oh i don't think was, he did no mm, he, he worked his whole bloody life like it's it's incredible yeah. his and you know uh, uh, lots of lots of people listening to this will recognize the ecstasy of gold due to metallica using it all the time the ecstasy of gold is wonderful but like in terms of the stuff that he has done i mean there's that beautiful score for the mission there's all the mm. um spaghetti western stuff obviously um he did some once upon a time in america cinema oh, paradiso yes yes yes, um, yes. you know um, Amazing well, shit. we could spend the next two hours probably listing his credits. I mean, it is absolutely insane. And he is one of those. Um, I mean, I say it about instrumental music quite a lot. Uh, and broadly, it's instrumental. Um, when you can employ a style which is instantly recognizable as an instrumental artist in particular, that is a pretty amazing thing. And people, you know, describing something as Morricone-esque is is really common like whether it's knights of sidonia by muse or mm. i mean i think i described um haggard cat the final track on the haggard cat record earlier this year yeah. as a morricone yes and people mm -hmm. instantly know what you're talking about instantly and i think that's the sign of a true artist in lots of ways and um yeah i mean you know we we if he released a record we wouldn't cover it on the show but you have to acknowledge the absolute massive massive influence of someone like that um and um yeah yeah um rest in peace that's that's uh it's it's yeah it's very sad news but it's it's quite amazing that somebody with such a uh a kind of I, I would say in terms of there's only really danny elfman that i can think of who has such a mm -hmm. One of those, you know, when you hear it and you go, ah, well, that's, that's like you say, yeah. Morricone-esque. I mean, particularly within popular music as well. I, I know, don't I don't think it's as pronounced. I'd argue maybe Hans Zimmer. Mm. Maybe Hans Zimmer. Yeah. Uh, 
John Maybe Williams. Maybe John Williams. Yeah. I mean, I think in popular music, those two probably less so. Yeah, possibly. Possibly. In terms I, of pop culture references, I think those two, they do very much exist in the kind of classical score or the, the kind of the score classical realm. sort of yeah realm rather than in, you know, you, we, we've never compared... Uh, a Biffy Clyro song to John Williams. Or, well, quite. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mm. I certainly think Morricone's um, sense of identity is probably stronger than Zimmer and Williams. I mean, it might be up for mm. debate, but I, I don't know. No, I, I, I think I probably would broadly go with that. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, he actually, he got the, um, the, the one of only two um, composers to win an honorary Oscar, which he received in 2007 for his magnificent and multi multifaceted contributions to the art of film music um and then won his first competitive academy award for the score for hateful eight in 2016 so um yeah um really really incredible impact that he's had on many many different styles and cadences of of popular culture in general i would say ennio morricone um yeah rest in peace what and a lad i will say if you only know the ecstasy of gold, it is well worth going in on Morricone a little bit more. I mean, there's plenty of kind of best ofs and stuff like that that you can check out on Spotify. I will say the first thing that you come up with on Spotify is a, um, uh, I mean, I guess it's a playlist of sorts. It says it's an album, but it's just called Famous Mor- Morricone Soundtracks. And it's 64 tracks long, which gives you an idea. It's like, oh God, we've got to do a best of um well, we've only been able to narrow it down to 64 songs, <laughs> you know. Um, I think that says a lot, really. Mm. Yeah, it really does. Uh, anyway, um, I suppose that was a mixed bag <laughs> in terms of news for the, the week, wasn't it? Most certainly. Uh, let's do some reviews then and start with Bush. Mm. I just had a little sip of water there for dramatic effect the album's called the kingdom it is the eighth album from the brit grunge superstars featuring gavin rostell it's not featuring gavin rostell he's now back fully as a part of the band these days which is good news um so bush uh it's actually out next week if you're listening to this podcast the week that comes out we should say that so it's not out for another week yet um we basically as a kind of preamble we kind of spunked it all on bush when we put their last album black and white rainbows into broken records Mm, which is mm. their previous record to this one um not a good record i mean basically as a quick recap we both quite like bush we both think they got an undeservedly rough deal from the media back when they were actually quite good, mostly due to kind of snobbery. But now they're kind of, since they came back in 2011, they've basically been a bit shite and Gavin Rostell probably shouldn't have gone on The Voice. Is there anything more you want to add to that as a sort of bringing everyone up to speed, Renfrey? I think that's broadly fair. Um, I mean, I think it's his choice if he wants to go on The Voice or not. Um but um, yeah, I think that's yeah, it is. But it didn't work out so good. No, certainly since their reformation. I mean, reformation. It was just him and the drummer originally, and now even um, the original drummers left. Robin Aldridge. Robin Goodridge. Yeah. Goodridge. Yeah, not Aldridge. Um, and I mean, their output since uh, I've actually listened to every Bush album, um, and uh, their output since has because not- you hate yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well black i mean when we did black and gold rainbows on broken records which is a just a boring boring record um 
I actually said Man on the Run's even worse, in my opinion. Uh, the Sea of Memories is okay, but it's nothing significant to write home about. Basically, there's no reason to expect Bush to release an album of quality in 2020. I think it's fair to say. But here we are. A new Bush album for mm. us to slag off. So, but sorry, world. Um, I'm not going to do that. No, neither am I. Who saw that coming? Who saw this? Might be the biggest surprise of the year. Yeah, um, I mean, so far, yeah. Can can I give you a little bit of? Because um, I reviewed this for Metal Hammer, and, and actually, the review went in ages ago. I think I was still. In, I actually wrote the review when I was still living in London. So we're wow. talking about three and a half, four months that, since I last since I got this album. So I've had it a long time. And Jonathan Seltzer, who is the reviews editor of Metal Hammer and is not somebody who is, you know, who predominantly writes about extreme metal, but has an incredibly good ear for music in general. He likes lots and lots of different music. Very, very interesting. You, you know, he's got the same sort of, I think he's got the same sort of approach as you and I have, although probably with less. Oh no, he really likes 80s pop. I was about to say, he probably doesn't like, he loves Aqua. Um, yeah, got a lot of time for Jonathan. He, he yeah, really Jonathan, knows, he knows his shit very much does and he messaged me and went um do you like bush and i sort of went well i like 16 stone and i like razor blade suitcase and that's about it really and i used to like him when i was a kid but i mean do metal hammer really want to review bush i think i actually said i was like do metal hammer really want to review bush and he said to me he's like well the thing is <clears> is that i've just been sent a new album and i listened to it out of sort of i think he i believe he said out of morbid, morbid curiosity, curiosity. <laughs> and and he said and i think it's i'll be really interested to know what you think about it because i think it's really good and he, and he said and this was the bit that made me go what as he went it actually sounds a bit like tall do you know what um what, <laughs> one of the songs blood river i think has blood a borderline tall feel to it certainly in the verses I mean, where it's on earth did that come from? It's it's definitely from the early sort of undertow yeah. era part of Tool's discography. But when Jonathan sent me the record and name checked it as Tool, I just thought, fucking hell, he's lost the plot. <laughs> yeah. He's lost it. There's no he, way. Like Bush in at their cre at their peak on sort of Razor Blade Suitcase, their commercial, creative, critical, whatever peak, I wouldn't have put them anywhere near Tool. So for them to be releasing eight albums in and then to get, be getting kind of progressively worse, to be going, oh, and it sounds a bit like Tool, I was like, please don't say that. That's a really <laughs> yeah. silly, silly thing to say. But I've written the same thing. Blood River has got this kind of, well, undertow vibes in the yeah, verses. Yeah, 100%. It is really, really tall and it's it's done really, really well. It's, it's well just done better than lot of the tool ripoffs do it i think it, yeah yeah um, um what a surprise this record is i mean the first track flowers on the grave is i think is a decent opener i think the album gets better but it's a decent opener that that song i like flowers in the grave i think the yeah. first thing that struck me listening to this album is how riff orientated these songs are i don't mm. think bush have ever really been a riff band as such no. um but there's some killer riffs on here. Um, wow. Yeah, go on. The Kingdom, Blood River, Slaves, Quicksand. I, I, I'll throw in Flowers on a Grave. I mean, Flowers on a Grave comes in sounding like Iron Maiden, for fuck's sake. You know? Yeah. Um, 
And they've had Chris Trainer in the band um, for uh, nine years or so. Mm. And, uh, you know, formerly of Helmet and Orange 9mm. And when I heard Chris Rival Trainer, Schools. Rival Schools, yeah, very quite briefly. Amongst but yes. others, yeah. And, um, you know, but Helmet's the one, isn't he, that I sort of associate mm-hmm. him with, I'd say. And Helmet, you think riffs. And mm-hmm. I never, I think on, on the, the, the three albums that have preceded this, you haven't really heard Chris Trainer doing what he does so well until now. You know, it feels like, it almost feels like Gavin Rosdale's sort of taken a step back and utilised the three musicians that he has with him far more um, than he tends to do, or, or has tended to do, I should say. And I think it's resulted in a really strong record. And not only that, it, it it's an album that doesn't sound like it's merely trying to pine back to the 90s. It does sound like a modern rock record, I think. Yeah, it does. I mean, I'm glad you brought up Chris Trainer. Mm. I mean, I would say, obviously, Helmet is the one, but I always, I always associated, you know, Paige Hamilton is the riff meister. Sure, from sure. Helmet, for sure. But then Chris Trainer's been in, because he's been in Orange 9mm and Rival Schools and, you know, various other bands as well, it's obviously something that he that he's from that school of kind of New York alternative metal. And I think I think if you're in a band with Paige Hamilton, that's going to rub off on you a little bit, isn't it? Yeah, I would have thought. or Walter Shrifles as well. I mean, obviously... Walter Shrifles, yeah. He's in he's in a, um in rival schools like I say only for a little bit but then he joined Bush before they even split up I believe uh, he didn't play on any did he may play on Golden State but I don't I do think he played I do think he was in Bush um, before they first reformed I'm sure they were yeah I don't he know. was in 2001 in 2001 um, while on tour with Helmet, he was noticed by producer Dave Sardi and, reckon, and recommended as a potential new guitarist in 2002 for Bush after Nigel Pulse had retired. So he actually joined the band oh. uh, in 2002 and then went to rival schools. And then he played for Institute with Gavin Rostell and oh, yeah. um, Gavin Rostell's solo stuff. So the two of them, and then he was in Bush again when Bush first came along. But, you know, he's he's been in, he's been working with Gavin for a very, very long time. He's actually worked with Fleetwood Mac in 2002 as well on the Peter Green era redoing of stuff they did. Um, anyway, um, but I think Chris Trainer is kind of the key to this record. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I think he might be as well. Yeah. I, I, I think he is probably gone, look, mate, it's been 20, no, it's been 18 years since the two of us have been sort of working together. The voicing didn't really work. No one really remembers your solo stuff or institute. No one really listens to Golden State. I've been. No one's really liked the last few. I hope he didn't. Put, just, I hope he didn't put it this bluntly. I, he probably <laughs> didn't put it. I mean, he probably didn't put it this bluntly. Yeah. Um, I understand. What but saying. I wouldn't be surprised if he went. Come on, man. Shall we just do a a sort of an alt metal record? And it's produced like um, like a modern rock record, but it's. But it's sort of DNA, I think, is the the Orange Nine Millimeters and the Helmets and the Quicksands and the you know and Tool and those sort of bands. And it, it's that's not what Bush have. And Bush have never sounded like that. Never. No, I think when they had, I mean, with their original guitarist Nigel Pussford was kind of known for bringing kind of textures to the band. Mm. I would say rather than kind of riffs. You know, they did have riffs, but. But it was never kind of like their bread and butter. 
But this no. feels like a record where it is their bread and butter. And it's kind of cool for a band on their eighth record, especially when you've had a sus- suspended long period of time where they haven't been a band to come back and actually do something a bit new, but also pull it off so well, you know. Um, I mean, long time fans who miss the Nigel Pussford textures and stuff like that aren't going to get the, that from this this album. But I think you get something just as cool in a way it's just a different Mm. approach which really really works and i think the quality of the album is relatively consistent throughout for me there is a slight uh, the only big drop for me is the ballad undone yes i was gonna say that yeah um and i actually say that because i think gavin rosdale is fantastic at ballads in in the main if you consider straight no chaser um letting the cable sleep glycerine glycerine um you know Rosdale is great at ballads. Like, like, end of. He's I was going to really say it, it wouldn't be a Bush album without one kind of very somber, slow, no, quite. ballady album, ballady song. But yeah, um, I suppose you could argue Swallowed is a ballad of sorts. Of sorts, yeah. Um, but I think Undone is not for me in this one. With this new, with this new look, Bush, mm. it's not really. I don't know. It just didn't really sit in amongst the rest of the album. I don't think. I don't it's think the it's the one thing that sounds like the past i think and it's just not a great song either is it i don't think it's dreadful but but it is a dip for my money um but it's the only negative thing i have to say about it really the title track which is the second track on it was when i really went fucking hell Mm. like that is a great song the kingdom Mm. that is a great song it is um and then you've got Bullet Holes, which again, I think is a really good song. I mean, the one thing I would say about the, my, other, my other gripe, and you probably read this if you read my Metal Hammer review, I made a bit of a deal about this, is Gavin Rossdale is not and really has never been a great lyricist. No. Uh, and there's stuff like, I'm walking across America in my blue suede shoes. And it's, um, I think he's got, Gavin Rossdale's got, a, I think Gavin <coughs> Rossdale's got a really good, like tonality to that and timber to his voice i actually really like his voice yeah um, same uh but i do think it comes with a level of sort of seriousness um that means that lyrically you have to be pretty on the money most of the time it sometimes feels a teeny bit po-faced yeah and um you know i think bullet holes is a really good example because lyrically you know it's not great, but it's got this massive, chunky as fuck bass line. And you think, well, this is not great. It's got nothing to do with grunge. It is like a sort of helmet song, but with a stadium rock twist. But when Gavin's like, I used to wish in symphonies, you are like, yeah, come on, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a very good point. Although, I, I, I mean, yeah, you're, you're, uh, it's undeniable. But having said that, I think the quality of the song, I mean, it took me a few listens it took me a few listens before i kind of noticed how bad the lyrics were because i was just so enamored with the riffs and so enamored yeah. with the songs to be honest and it's stuff like i mean the next track slaves is nothing new or particularly technical sounding no. for one of those bands at the top of their game but for bush you know it hits hard and bush haven't really hit hard for a long time mm. i think mm. that's the other thing is when you listen back to everything they've done since they've come back I mean, particularly when we did Black and White Rainbows, and I was just like, I'm not saying the Bush were a heavy band back in the day or whatever, but Little Things and Machine Ed and, you know, um, uh, 
personal holloway and and mm. songs like that and greedy fly when they came in and they hit they really you know they were they, they were a, a rock band they were a heavy rock band yeah definitely. and they don't they haven't felt like a heavy rock band for a really really long time and it's like you sound like you belong in kerrang again do you know what i mean you sound like you're not you don't belong in classic rock or just nowhere you know you belong in kerrang and dare i say it like oddly they belong in metal hammer as well like they were they're in metal hammer and it there's bands who are far less viscerally heavy in hammer than this record yeah yeah i i i totally agree yeah yeah it's a good, um, it's a good record i like it, sending the clowns as well as catch as fuck yeah mid-pace stomper really got this weird i mean again chris trainer that kind of helmet discordant off kilter solos that they do underneath the riffs as well great man it's yeah great. yeah 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 i totally agree i think um I, it, it struck me that listening to this record i mean i mean you are a fan of the first two i'm a fan of the first three as we have discussed before i i actually re-listened to the science of things just a few days ago um because uh, the sun was out and that's a good enough reason to listen to the science of things in my opinion and i, have I like to say, by the way i I do like chemicals between us <laughs> lying in this bed. That's a great song. Well, I, I mean, actually, chemicals between us is a good point. I mean, that is a band mixing rock and electronics in 1999. I think that record came out 2000. Yeah, yes, yeah. 99, which should have dated horrendously. And listening to it, you know, the other day in 2020, I don't think it's dated all that badly at all, you know. And most rock bands utilizing an electronica kind of feel to them at that time have dated hideously now well we we um just as a sort of looking ahead again on our patreon page we recently did a writer's review on the workhorse movements sons of the pioneers album yeah and that was seen oh look at all the shit they're melding together and we sort of spoke in that about how so much of that stuff from that time that was seen as being sort of forward thinking and innovative and eclectic at the time now sounds really really fucking dated and fair play to bush for just not really sounding dated at all mm -hmm. here i mean i can't really comment on the science of things although i might go back and listen to it actually because I think it's been you, a while i think you should i'd be really curious to know what you think um how well you think it's aged at the very least because i i was just listening to it and i think i prefer it now to what i thought of it back then you know, like it's a, it's a very strong record. And um, I think if this had been released as the follow up to uh, the science of things, I don't mind Golden State, but it's, you know, it's fairly meh. Um, but uh, I think if this had been released as the follow up to science of things, I think Bush probably might have continued and might not have split up initially and so on and so forth. So, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, mm. because there's been that massive, massive long gap and the majority of people will be like, why the hell should I care about a new Bush album? Uh, I don't think it will have that effect. But um, I definitely think people should listen to this and check this out. And this is probably a good starting point. And if you like this, then by absolutely go back to 16 Stone, Razorblade Suitcase and, in my opinion, The Science of Things as well. You know, those are, mm. those are great, great records. So it's, it's really, really, really cool to hear like really good yeah. to hear it is it is i mean i think it's second half is maybe not quite as strong songs like word are not impediments um the sort of punky one i don't like gavin Rosso going hey 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 like mm. i don't mm. like that so much mm. um i don't know that suits his voice but it's not a bad song i um, do agree the first half is better than the second half but as i said before i still think the quality is relatively consistent 
bar undone. Mm. But but yeah. bar undone, the there's never a, a massive dip in quality. It is pretty solid throughout. I think. Oh, okay. Um, mate, I'm just going onto the album page that I've got from where I got sent it. Um, all these songs are written by Gavin Rossdale. There we go. Interesting. So while I was there going giving Chris Train all the credit, Gavin Rossdale wrote all the songs. Well, sorry, 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 Gav. Gavin. <laughs> sorry, Gavin. I we, I we doubted but you. Well, well done. All the same. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, there you go. I've, you, got you, put, I've put that in, at least I've corrected it here. I've put that in print um, going, <laughs> oh, well done to Chris Trainer for writing this whole album for Gavin Rossdale so that it was good. Eight out of 10. And he's going to say, like, you fucking prick. Gavin's taking that. your speed dial. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, Gavin. <laughs> um, uh, I always preferred Gwen anyway, didn't you? Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I, I, I didn't. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no doubt of fine aren't they uh bush the kingdom is out next week not out this week so you've got another week to wait but do listen to it when it comes out this is your one week warning to get ready to listen to it and be surprised at how good it is yeah. it's very good really good um really good all right let's move on um the next i was about to say album this is not an album it's an ep by the band yezu uh never is the name of the ep it's justin broderick of napalm death and godflesh fame uh, his band of experimental, well, his experimental noise duo, they are, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes, it, Broderick did once say of this project, it's very loosely speaking, a pop rock metal electronica project. I'm intentionally writing what I consider to be coherent pop songs. Um, mm. Do you get coherent pop songs from this release, Steve? A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Um, <laughs> sometimes. It, I, I think... I mean, I'm being a little bit unfair because he did say that 11 years ago and obviously there's been uh, pr progress has been, you know, made since then. Um, but uh, yeah, this is probably the, the the least coherent pop thing he's done. It's definitely on the more experimental end of the Hizu uh, discography. Well, that's interesting because I've not really ever had much to do with Yezu. Mm. I got one of the, I'm not going to say it's the first EP, but I got one of the first EPs when it came out. It was on Hydrahead. There's a whole shit. Went. There's a whole shit ton of EPs because he does like to. I think he he utilizes EPs as a manner to experiment, and then the album that will come after that EP will be kind of those that experimentation finally honed into songs. Let's say right. That's that's super okay. broad, but yeah. Yeah. Well, whatever EP it was, and I'll be honest with you, I don't remember. I said think I said this to you yesterday. I've got it in a box of CDs, probably upstairs. Uh, I might have even got rid of it mm. at this point. Bit of a bummer um, because at the time I just couldn't get into Yezu because with it being a dude from you know, Godflesh and Napalm Death and it being out on Hydra Head, well, it just wasn't heavy enough for me, Renfrey. You've had... You <laughs> that, have... was my, that was my thing. I was like, doesn't this isn't heavy. Fuck it. So a little bit of context. I adore Ye Yezu and basically stonewalled this in <laughs> because i'm like we're covering it i don't care because it's yezu and i fucking love yezu and um I, I i'm not gonna say you were resistant but you sort of well you've you've had a bit of a roller coaster with this ep it's fair to say do, uh, do you think 
Uh, in what sense? In, in, in I didn't like it at first and well, now I like it. <laughs> in the sense that, yeah, that when you first heard it, you said you didn't like it at all. And no. then, then you um, messaged me yesterday and said, I, now I love it. Sorry, spoiler mm. alert. But yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, the thing is, is basically, I when I first heard them, I was like, this isn't heavy. This mm. is boring when I just went to listen to sort of heavy stuff. So I just sort of forgot they exist until I reviewed them at Beyond the Redshift, uh, which was the Cult of Luna all day that happened in 2014 um, at various venues around Kentish Town in London. And that was a good day, although I was stuck reviewing Yezu. And I did think it's two blokes with like one light shining behind them, staring at the floor and sort of slowly strumming their guitars for an hour. And I was a bit like, oh. It is broad, is... broadly shoegaze, to be fair. Yeah, but yeah, like, but oh, yes, I imagine. I've never I've never seen uh, EZ live. So um, um, I, I was actually, I was actually excited to see them. I was mm. looking forward to seeing them because I was like, it has to, you know, I don't remember, you know, I, I, th I thought this is a really good chance for me to reacquaint myself with this band who I feel like I probably should have paid more attention to and mm. given a bit more of a chance to, particularly as my taste had broadened out in the sort of six or seven years since I'd bought that EP. Um, and then when they came on, I was like, okay, great. And then it was an hour and I did think like, I don't know any of these songs. Mm. It's really like, I felt like they... I mean, if this EP is anything to go by, they definitely <laughs> elongated their songs and jammed their songs out mm -hmm. over the course of, there was pretty much no audience interaction or participate. Like, not that you want them to be like, hey, clap your hands, <laughs> Justin Broderick. Like, I don't expect that. But, you know, like, I don't think they even looked up from their guitars at any point during the entire set. It was two blokes with their back to you, just kind of slowly droning along. And I was like, oh, I'm not really getting very much out of this at all. Okay. Um, but this is interesting. I mean, I actually, when I first put this on, I was like, it's a bit of a, I, I, I felt like it was a bit of a, um, uh, what's the word I'm going to, I'm, I'm looking for. I felt like it, I felt like it sounded dated. I kind of do think it sounds, it, it does, it sounds of, a, of an era and that era is not 2020, to be honest. Oh, um, interesting. But that's, but that's fine. That's absolutely fine. Um, you could say that about Perturbator, couldn't mm. you? You could say mm. that about, I mean, you do say that about Power Trip and I would probably agree with you, but it doesn't make it, make it bad is what I'm saying. I'm just saying, no, that I think true. it's, it's definitely influenced from things that are not kind of current um which you know is fine i also uh, think we're gonna get i also think we're gonna get more and more and more and more of that as time goes on mm. you know yeah of course you know because of the mm. manner the manner in which music is released and it's more independent voices now rather than majors going this is what's fashionable yada 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 so i yeah. think that's just gonna become uh, so that was that was that but i also felt like i didn't quite know exactly what it was i was like you don't know i don't know if i'm meant to kind of dance to this or be sad to it or what it is really i couldn't quite get my head around exactly what it is and then after sort of two or three listens i just sort of went oh okay so well i don't know why i'm doing that like it's it's all of these things and once i sort of accepted that it was this i mean i'm not sure if it is a massive stylistic jump from what they've been doing previously but it does feel like there's a slight devi deviation into kind of loungy 90s house territories at some point i mean i wrote down utah saints and orbital and fucking moby mm -hmm. uh, and underworld mm -hmm. at, at some points while i was listening to this and i did think that's a really weird thing for someone like justin broderick to be getting himself involved in but 
I think once I accepted those as rather than going like, oh, this is supposed to be like some sort of underground shoegazy thing and it just sounds like Underworld or it just sounds like the Orb. And then once I sort of went, well, it's it's fine to be influenced by, I don't know, the future sound of London mm. in 2020, but also, also the cure and try and meld those things together. Um, I've got to a point now where I, I think there's some absolutely fucking brilliant things on this ep mm-hmm. really really brilliant things um I, I i actually had a similar ish i mean despite coming to this band with um uh more of a more of a positive bias i guess so i was really fucking excited to listen to this and my first listen i was kind of disappointed to be honest um it wasn't quite what i was hoping it would be it was it was it was well way more experimental than i was expecting i think is this different to what they do in the past um those electronica elements that you're describing in the sort of orbital sense and moby sense and all that sort of thing i think are more pronounced than they have been in the past but there's always been an electric sort of pulse to it it's just it's just more apparent on this ep i think I, i i it took me a few listens um but on maybe the third listen it just clicked and i went oh yeah no i do really like this i think it's fantastic um it's not going to click with everyone there's um undoubtedly people who you know will just want to bang their head while singing put it up yeah put it up for thrash metal which i'd like to stress there's nothing wrong with that little little dig at dinosaur which i pile up there um nothing wrong with that (laughs) there's nothing wrong with that at all um but you know I think there are, this is music which has subtleties and nuances which you kind of have to listen out for to to appreciate. It is, I think, I think it's, I think Yezu are a band that musicians really, really appreciate because there are subtle things happening here which don't become apparent until you've listened to it several times. Basically, it requires work um, if you're going to really want to get into it. And as a, as a, as a result, I'm not sure if it's the best starting point for Yezu, to be honest, because it is really, really, really super experimental. But once you get into it, I think there are some really fucking cool things on it. I mean, because of you, the first track rides in on this deep sort of electronic pulse and has these waves of distorted delay effects. And it builds for three minutes or so, feeling very, very loose indeed, almost as if it's unable to keep time with itself. And it gives it this sort of weird, distorted, almost lurching feeling before all the elements just come together and you realise the whole thing's been relatively simple the whole way through. Um, And this is something that Yezu do a lot in their music, giving the appearance that something is different from what it seems. But in actual fact, it's far easier to assimilate once you peel back the layers. Um, This all sounds very wanky and pretentious, and I guess it is wanky and pretentious, but hey, (laughs) fuck it. I like it. Welcome Um, to the show. There's a, yeah, yeah, quite, quite. There's a tradition of journalists describing a song as being like X band on Y drug, and in that tradition, I'd like to point out that because of you, sounds like cigarettes on ketamine. Uh. I thought that was the most industrial sounding thing that song that I'd heard in ages. Mm. Industrial in the very, very, very classic sense of the word. I mean, we're not talking about gravity kills or orgy or whatever, you know, or even newer. Or even ministry, really. I'm talking about like the early idea of what industrialized music was supposed to sound like, mm. which is this um, very chromatic, uh, very bleak sort of harsh wasteland, um, very iron sounding. And even though it's not a heavy song, 
it's not really a heavy song. I mean, Sugar Ross is a, a is a great shout for it because it is very ethereal sounding, but it seems it's not in an insult, but it's quite an empty sounding song. Do you know what I mean? It so, I think it sounds massive. It mm. sounds like very little put in a huge room. It's like mm. keeping a. It's like the drums sound like they're being played in a fucking empty Wembley Arena. And it's mm. just a snare and a hi hat. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I, I, it's, yeah, I, I it, think it's musically, it feels way bigger. Than I think it the, sounds, if you like, the way I describe that is it is the music has room to breathe. Um, I mean, that's just taking the the empty thing and putting a sort of glass half full spin on it. But yeah, I think I think the music has room to breathe, and uh, you know, some people don't like that because they just like being battered with. But it feels like endless route. It feels like end. It feels like I mean, to put an even more of a glass half full on it, it feels like there is no horizon to mm. that song. Yes, it's it's sort of endless endless expanse. Yes, that seems to go on and on and 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 at first I think that's can be quite a daunting thing to hear mm. but i think once you like and it was at first i was like my god it just feels like when's this going to end and it's like what's there's not even that much going on but then three or four listens into it it's um it's kind of beautiful and chilling at the same time Renfrew. Exactly. i really liked it yeah. I, I think it's a great song by the I, way i think that's a uh, really lovely way to put it actually the the endless horizon thing and actually i think Hazu have done that incredibly well throughout their entire career and i'm sort of struggling now to think of another band who do it quite as well as them it's definitely you know it isn't for everyone um it's for me i fucking love it but um yeah, i i totally i totally i understand why people would listen to Yezu and just be like it's just boring and I don't get it. But I think I think he's sublime. I fucking mm. love this sort of stuff. Uh, Never There For You is genuinely... I mean, when I talk about kind of Underworld and Orbital and those kind of bands, um, that, I mean, that's a standout moment for me. That and the... And it probably even... They they go even further with the, the original version. I feel like they almost kind of tapered it back a bit for the version that's on the EP. And then... Well, you hear the original version at the end of the EP, mm. uh, which is the fifth track. And I feel like that, that they go full blown, you know, born slippy on that. Do you know what I mean? But it's, like, very, it's very, yeah, it's very 90s dance, that sort of thing, which is not the kind of thing that I'd normally like. I mean, it's borderline for me, that original version. And I personally prefer the uh, the, the second track version, if you will. I do too. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's it definitely has those vibes 100%. Um mm. And even the title, I mean, the title track, I've written down Moby for it, which mm. I know we slagged off Moby the other week and we're neither of us are massive fans, but I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with the idea of Moby. No, It's I just agree. the sort of the execution of a yes. lot of Moby's material, I think is the problem. And um, <laughs> I mean, it's way better than anything Moby did on that last record. It has, um, it kind of has that undeniable 80s synthwave vibe thing that's going on, but without sounding like it's just copying what all those 80s synthwave bands do um it's much much slower than that kind of stuff and more deliberate than your carpenter brutes and perturbators and stuff like that i don't know synthwave doom maybe i, I seem to be giving well, I, every genre something something an extra thing yeah, at yeah. The moment, I, but yeah. i mean i i put it on suffocator which is the last sort of track before you get the, the remix um I put synthwave meets shoegaze for Suffocator, mm, mm. and because it's, I don't know, it's really, it's, it's, I don't know, I, it's, 
I'm full of contradictions this EP, I think. Mm, mm, mm. I think that's probably why I, maybe I, at first I was like, it's, it's just there's too many, even though it feels like not a lot's happening often, if you're just listening to it on the surface, there's too many contradictory ideas. Like to be analog and alive and yet very electronic sounding, uh, that it feels like it, that feels like an oxymoron. That feels like it couldn't happen and it shouldn't happen. And, um, and being sort of slow and somber yet quite bracing and pacey that shouldn't really be a thing that you can be at the same time and it is quite a disorientating thing to listen to um but i do like it i mean i think i like suffocator a bit less than i like the sort of first couple of i think that's probably the weakest of the three of the four Mm -hmm. sort of original songs on it um but it's still good i mean Mm. i think everything on this is actually very good and it's all really really different all four songs sound completely different from each other really don't they yeah 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 i think i think you use the word contradictions there i mean another way that we've put it in the past is juxtapositions you know Mm. and juxtapositions in music tends to make it more dynamic and more interesting and yes absolutely azu have that amazing ability to be several things all at once but several seemingly contradictory things all at once and Mm. um that's enormously difficult to pull off and it's very nuanced and it's it's actually very very subtle and the other thing i'd say i mean that thing that you said about sometimes it feels like that it's not doing anything at all i think if you listen to it on a surface level in the background then yeah it's going to feel like it isn't doing anything in reality it's it's minimalism it's changing constantly but just in a very 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 subtle way now that's not for everyone but um the 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 I'm not saying you were, you were saying this, but, but you know, people, critics will say that this just doesn't do anything. It doesn't change. Well, as a matter of fact, it changes all every second from second to second. It's changing from moment. Yeah, to I moment don't think changing. anything. I don't think all, all four songs to me sound like like completely different things. Yeah. All four of them basically sound utterly distinct from each other. Mm. Um, and I'm glad I gave, you know, put it with this came out last week. So, um, if you're a fan, you've probably already listened to it, so you can agree or disagree with, with what we're saying. But um, we sort of we didn't get sent it in advance, unfortunately. Mm. Um, and had we have been sent it in advance, I think I probably would have been coming on here going, ah, nothing. This is pretentious and boring, and nothing really happens. And I'm glad I had an extra week with it or an extra few days because it meant that rather than giving it a cursory kind of one, two, three, four listens, mm. I got seven, eight listens out of it. Mm. And I think getting seven or eight listens out of it it was by about the sort of fifth listen where i went i actually really like this and by mm. the sixth listen i was like i love this and mm. now i've been listening to it even when i haven't needed to listen to it for sort of review purposes and i think i will continue to listen to it because i think it's really really good fantastic i'm really glad we waited a week then because you might have made me cry um yeah, i think i probably would have mugged it off a bit and, and yeah but it would have been me when i would have wanted to look like an idiot because then i probably would have either never listen to it again or listen to it and gone ah fuck um like i did with the black futures album i mean that's yeah. probably the one time i think people last week were going what's the one album that you i mean i remember we got black futures album about three days before we reviewed it and i was sort of initially disappointed because i thought it was really exciting live and the album didn't quite do it as much for me and then a week later having listened to the album more i was like oh no it is really good it's really fucking good. knobhead um, <laughs> um not that I, that's that like this but you know i will i will say just quickly i i did mention that um I don't think this is the greatest starting point for Hazy, to be totally honest. Um, I would fully, fully recommend Every Day I Get Closer to the Light from Which I Came if you want a starting point. 
um and then maybe move on to this or something like conqueror is fantastic that debut album Hazu is really really good the self-titled one but this is awesome um because Hazu are awesome i mean for me <laughs> at the moment it's one of the weakest things in his catalog in my opinion but i still think it's mm. great so there you go there you go all right it's called never it's by yezu and it is out right now it's been out a week as well uh this is out this week this is the first thing we've reviewed it has actually released on the day that our podcast is released it's the second album from the baltimore based hardcore band sharp tooth the album is called transitional forms now listen I'd never listened to Sharp Tooth before. I didn't listen to their debut album, Clever Girl, um, which came out in 2017. So I'm not going to be able to give you much in the way of look how much better they are now. Look how much they've um, improved in three years or whatever. We can't really do that. I don't know if you can do that, Renfrey. Um, no, no, I haven't heard this. Okay. So neither of us has heard this first record, um, but we have heard transitional forms. And I've got to say... I really like this. Mm. You probably, if once we describe what this is, no one's going to be too shocked to to learn <laughs> that I like the heavy band. Oh, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? This is so, the, this is yeah. the most obvious. Steve is going to love this <laughs> that I've ever heard. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got it, it's hardcore by way of that same sort of stomp and crush that Knock Loose, being the kind of big band at the moment, I think Knock Loose do that if you like that um that kind of very very i was gonna say metallic hardcore but that gives it makes it sound like something else metalcore also makes it sound like something else i don't really know what the word is i'm looking for but basically it's really good it's a kind of very destructive type of hardcore and it's uh do you think employed to serve is a good shout employed to serve is a good shout as well yeah Mm -hmm. that kind of thing it's heavy as shit um it features a commanding vocal performance from lauren cashin um Mm -hmm. uh who is absolutely fantastic on this record she has she also has smarts which i like uh i'm gonna read you a quote from her taken from the press release regarding the song the gray um over the years i've noticed how uncomfortable people are with nuance whether that be in public discourse or personally it doesn't help that so many facets of our culture are presented in binaries. You're woke or you're cancelled. You have depression or you don't. You're a man or you're a woman. You're a Democrat or you're a Republican. But nothing in the world or in ourselves is absolute. And nothing changes when we are only acknowledging constructs as black or white and utterly immutable. True progress can only happen when we make a decision to step outside of this way of thinking and explore nuance. She goes on to say that the grey is essentially about seeing things in several shades of grey as opposed to saying seeing everything in black and white, basically. And I think the key word there is nuance. You know, that's the sort of thing that personally I want to hear from metal front people. That's what all great art should be doing. Should be holding Mm. up a mirror to society and going, look, have a look at this. You know, it's a reflection of our times and something that we prattle on about all the bloody time on this show. And this isn't me going, this is great because Lauren agrees with me <laughs> or anything like that. I think it's great because she's clearly assessed the issue, taken time to think about it and then put out a point of view, which frankly, a lot of people could probably do with taking on board, you know. Um, and it just makes a really, I mean, we have discussed as well in how um, female voices in 
heavy music and well just generally i think seem to be the most pertinent and interesting at the moment and that's you know quite likely if you suppress a uh a group of people for long enough they're going to have shit that they're angry about and they, they want to write about um and it is just such a breath of fresh air to hear someone intelligent and uh a, a, and express these things in such a fucking wicked and cool way um she also seems to agree with me regarding the proliferation of musicians with precisely fuck all to say in metal um <laughs> so if you take opening songs say nothing in the absence of con- content uh i want to concentrate on the chorus and then to give context and then the final breakdown part as well. So the chorus goes, I'm going to yell until the vacuum rips my lungs. Hope you don't notice all the vacancy that's wrapped around my tongue. Don't worry, boys. You know it's better off this way. They cannot tear apart that what you did not create. And then the song goes into sort of a breakdown mosh call bit, right? I love this bit. Oh, it's, it's so, so good. good. And she says, says, screams like, or well, says, and then begins to scream. Now, this is the part of the song where we're going to slow shit way down for you so you can all kill each other. It doesn't even matter what I'm saying here anyway. Can you even understand a fucking word I say? And then a very generic mosh call comes in and they just go, mosh call, generic mosh call. It must be, it must be nice to say nothing, nothing at all. And I'm just like, yes, yeah, that is, that is 90% of metal these days. Mm. And and the, the I love the irony that people are going to generically mosh call to that generic mosh call bit, and that's kind. Of, it's almost like taking the music to the to the people who are going to do that exact same thing. To like, it's 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 a very very punk thing to do. Basically, it's like it's really clever. And it's, it's fucking actually, clever. It's yeah. funny as well. It, it is. It's if you're in on the joke, and I feel like we are in on the joke. I mm. mean, not in a like you probably a bit more in a sneery way than me but um because oh, that's probably i'm, I'm about because I, I am about to talk about how great their beat down and breakdown parts are well i so i this. i will back that up but yeah yeah but um i mean if you're in on the joke like it's yeah it's saying i you know just going well i like hardcore and i like metal so all of it's good mm. i mean we had a lot of i don't want to do I want to throw? No, I'm not throwing anyone under the bus. But we had a I, I, like. I didn't maybe I doubt you did, but I had a lot of people personally saying to me, "Oh, why didn't you review the new Berry Tomorrow album last week?" And I've listened to it um, since it's it's been released. And you know, I've said on this show before, I like Berry Tomorrow. I think that Berry Tomorrow are really good um, at, at doing that sort of thing. They're really nice guys. You know, Danny's got quite a lot of stuff to say, but I listened to it and I did just think I don't really have that much to add to to that other than oh Barry tomorrow have made another album that sounds mm. like Barry tomorrow. tomorrow and you know we've got to think about the show as much as anything and you know last week there was loads to say on a williams there was loads to say on foxjaw mm. there was loads to say on haim there wasn't really a lot to say on Barry tomorrow and mm. that's not really a reflection on is that Barry Tomorrow album any good or is it bad or is it whatever it is? It's, you know, like I think I said it last week, you know, if another Coldplay album comes out, we're probably not going to review it. Mm. And with Barry Tomorrow bringing out another album that sounds like Barry Tomorrow, I don't really necessarily feel like I need or have anything that is going to be particularly engaging to talk to you about it other than going, you know, if you like Barry Tomorrow, you'll like this. Mm. And I do like Barry Tomorrow. So I do 
quite like it. Mm. Um, and I'll, I'll just shit on it, which is incredibly predictable. And yeah, not very you know, interesting and there's, to listen to. There's been there's been a few of these. Like I I I like the new Bleed from Within album. Mm. You know, I like the new Havoc album. There's a lot of these, and but I don't like them enough to, you know, plant the flag in the ground like I did with Trivium. When mm. you are going, it's just generic, and it's so you know I I can't really argue the toss about it in the same way as I could with, you know, with a band who I think of like Trivium, who I think are far more interesting than those mm, bands. Mm. Um, this is getting off the point a little bit, but I think what the point I'm making is sharp tooth. I did want to do, and I am glad that we are doing it because not only like you say is, you know, there's years of pent up aggression and frustration from a young woman on this record. Um, and there has been in hardcore in the last sort of, I'd say seven or eight years. Mm. And when it comes out in this way, it, it can be a viscerally thrilling thing to hear. When she says you're not a feminist just because you've touched one on the song Hero <laughs> Herodinia, which has got and, and you know, like we've not even spoken about the music really yet. No, like, no, no, no. This no. fucking incredible guitar, savage sound, proper, like jarring hardcore. Mm. Um you know, the, you mentioned the grey. The grey sounds like this mix of between Comeback Kid and Converge. Yes. Um, there's a song called Evolution, and she says, when she says, "How fucking dare you?" It's not like mosh call part. It's genuinely frightening. And then you've got a song like One Five Three, which is like mm. old school punk. Yeah, One Five Three is just, and it just breaks the record up. It makes it so much more dynamic. Which is when you have this consistently constantly unwaveringly intense music mm. it's really difficult to give it dynamics and dynam dynamism um which is why you know I, I hate again i hate to sound like a broken broken record that's why we go on about code orange every single week every mm. time we review a hardcore or metal album that's why we go yeah but code orange because yeah. code orange do that and better than any other band on the fucking planet at the moment exactly. and i'm i'm not one of these sort of breakdown beat down obsessives but the you know the the i'll die for my beliefs on 153 and then it ends with this fucking breakdown and when you get a like when you get that breakdown right my god that is a good one i think um yes i actually pointed out that breakdown as uh you know i've bemoaned the overuse of breakdowns in metal before um but the manner in which this one is approached is really really interesting to listen to as at home as opposed to just being a cool bit to mosh to and crack some skulls to live you know and therefore i'm all for it it's just it it sort of the manner in which it slows down into it and just becomes incredibly dissonant it's just i th i think my issue with breakdowns generally is just they're fucking lazy nine times out of ten they're really fucking lazy um but there there are very few of those uh lazy breakdowns on this i think if i was being really 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 picky i might pick out one or two but i'm not even going to do that because i think generally this is a fucking great record and i want to <laughs> i want to um recommend people listen to it uh southern strategy is a song that i wanted to bring up just because it's fucking fantastic yeah. i could do this with Go all on. of them but uh it's hardcore with groove isn't it so much fucking groove i'm, I'm wondering if it's called the southern strategy because it almost feels like a hardcore song with that southern groove element put into it yeah um and that uh they don't give a fuck about you refrain at the end is so fucking amazing and again yeah. the manner in which um lauren uh approaches it she it started out spoken and gradually becomes louder and screams with each repetition 
I mean, a lesser metal front person would just scream it four times mm. over, you know, or six times. I think it's six times mm. over, you know, and th this is what I mean. This is what we're talking about when we talk about dynamics and stuff like that. Sometimes it's just quite simple shit like that. But yeah, it is. It is pretty simple ideas that they're throwing in. I'm not to say this is simple. There's some quite technical shit on it. But um, mm. the ideas themselves are relatively simple, but they don't need to be massively, massively, massively complex in order to make something dynamic and interesting to listen to over a, over a, an entire record. It is a short album. It's, it's just over half an hour long. But I mean, it's one of those ones that like it ends and then you just like press play on that again. I mean, it's yeah, sure. fucking great. I mean, here's when I realized I thought, okay, this is... This is a stand. This is a level up from the standard bands of this ilk that we get. The last song's called "Nevertheless." She persisted, right? Yes. And it's got clean vocals, really kind of um, dare I say it, kind of blackened atmospheric bits going on. Well, a, a treble picked guitar part that could have come straight out of a mono song. I mm. I was going to say, but yeah, mono or that black metal thing. I think it's more mono than black metal, but yeah, I understand what you're saying. Maybe you'd probably know that better than me, mm -hmm. but I mean, you know, we've spoken a lot. I mean, particularly you have had a big fucking queen bee sized bee in your bonnet regarding <laughs> metal bands who will do an album and it'd be super intense all the way through. And then they'll throw in the sort of atmospheric thing at the end. Yeah, yeah. But do you know what I mean? They'll do something different to show, look how eclectic we are. But because they've been so varied throughout the whole album, yeah, exactly. This doesn't feel like oh, they're trying a new trick to just prove to people how different the, you know the album is. It is. It is different from the rest of the records. Yes, but yes. because you've got you know, like I mentioned, Converge and Comeback Kid. Um, there is a bit on. I mean, there's there's one bit. Um, mean Brain has got a sim a really similar riff to Leatherneck by Every Time I Die. Mm. That song sounds. Mm. I mean. It, and that's not a bad thing at all. Like, no. obviously, there's only so many riffs that you can mm. come up with in the world. But that one, I was like, fucking nice. It really sounds like something. And I was like, oh, it's leather it by every time I die. Um, so, you know, you're, you're thinking about the bands we've mentioned, Converge, Every Time I Die, Comeback Kid, Employed to Serve. Um, I would say even on 153, there's a point where it's like, well, this could be a mad ball or even, uh, even early kind of bad religion. Like, it mm -hmm. goes into that kind of 80s harsh circle jerksy pacing and, and, and stuff as well it kicks in and kicks off just like boom and you're in and it means that because it traverses all these different like paces and styles and you know all this different stuff that by the time you get to nevertheless you persisted and you have this very very um much broader bigger sounding you know track you don't think oh god they've done that thing again you just think, oh yeah, yeah. I kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm not even, you know, I am surprised by the sound, but I'm not surprised that they've tried something. That they've, they've tried something at the end. It's yeah. why wouldn't they? It sounds like a final track, but then at the same time, it, um, yeah, like you say, there's been so much variety. I mean, you mentioned the clean singing, but it's not the first time clean singing pops up in the record. Um, there's little snatches of it here and there throughout. Mm. Um, it, 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 it is. It's never as melodious as that though is it no true true but but there are there are those moments um scattered uh, throughout yeah. a little bit uh i mean i would say i would love to hear more of the clean singing on future releases i think that could be incorporated in a really fucking cool way because she does have an excellent voice 
Um, I mean, in in both senses. Jesus Christ, when she's angry, fucking hell, it's absolutely brutal. That the nevertheless she persisted ends with uh, an almighty ferocious scream. You know, um, and it, it's just yeah. I guess I guess this is what I want from my like really really heavy music, and I feel like this is the kind of thing that should be championed over a lot of the bands that do get championed. <laughs> You had to bite your tongue not to say Barry tomorrow then, didn't you? After yes. I was being nice to them. I did, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, that's fine. It's, different. <laughs> it's a completely different. It's a complete, like, to be fair, that is a completely different type of thing. But, you know, in case you were wondering, you know, we haven't stopped covering metal or anything like that. We haven't stopped covering heavy music. I just think we, we, <laughs> we need to have something to talk about mm-hmm. if we're going to cover these bands. And I heard this and you heard this and we both went, here we go. We should. We we've got plenty to talk about here. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily mean it's good, but in this case, it, it's it's, it's really it's yes. really good. Yeah. Um. That's transitional forms by Sharptooth. If you're a fan of that type of thing, I would say you're gonna fucking love that record. Yeah. It's been a good. It's actually been. It, it it's been some good shit that's come out from that type of city like we spoke about the end record yeah which is great yeah obviously code orange obviously yep. i mean i don't know if you put loathe in with that not really sure but if you do then you know that's that's really good as well mm. just having a little while there's a few there's a you know um iris that came out not so long ago yeah yeah yeah, yeah. is really is, is really good as well i mean there's there's been some good shit from that sort of scene that's come out recently oh there definitely definitely has and there there always always is um yeah <laughs> I, just, I, just, I don't want to sound too much like a broken record but yes <laughs> <laughs> there's too much that you don't like yes, <laughs> yes. um that's cool all right let's do our last album it is garber's days revisited by inter armor a bit of a stopgap um i guess from the sort of american post blackened metal band featuring some very very bold choices for the band to cover um their album that came out last year soul for english which we reviewed was good really mm-hmm. good i thought mm-hmm. um it was much loved as well come the end of the year yep. i think the majority of the world liked it probably more than you and i did because it didn't feature on our end of year top 20 yes. and i never really was going to to be honest i think there was a few better versions of that that came out last year although i did really like the record and i've gone back to it since and i think it is a good record but mm-hmm. Uh, we're not reviewing that. So, uh, as I said, a a covers album, Renfrey. I'm a bit. I'm always a bit like, oh god, when we get a covers album in, because I mean, they're really good. A lot. They're <laughs> hardly ever good, are they? I mean, have there really been that many good ones? Gary Jinks, good. The Anatomy of By Between the Buried and Me, I think, is is good. The Deftones covers, which was never yeah. even properly released, yeah, is good. Yeah. Um, but I mean, half shuffle, the placebo whoa, 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 one. Whoa, 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 whoa. Shuffle by Jeremy Jamie Lemon is surely that's good. The uh, that, what, I feel like since we've been a podcast, that's been the um, that's been the uh, gold standard for covers albums. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we yeah. don't cover we don't cover uh, we don't cover loads of them. Cover, cover, cover. Funny, no. um, but um, yeah, uh, I think the idea of Interarmor, for example, covering a Neil Young song. It's just a bit too, too interesting a thing for us to ignore. ignore. Mm. Um, if you don't mind, and if it works for you, Steve, I'd quite like to go through through this track by track uh, sequentially. Does that work for you? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, I also wanted to give out before we went on. I was going to say half the placebo covers albums good, and basically any time faith no more do covers. Apart from that, strike them from the record. I would say they're never very good covers albums. But is this one? Oh, well, yeah, Garage Inc. I said Garage Inc. Oh, sorry, I? I didn't hear you. Uh, I'm going to throw in Spaghetti Instant as well, even though it's. Um... A mess. A mess. Um, okay. So uh, it starts off with a cover of Scarecrow by Ministry. Um, mm-hmm. Strips out the more over industrial elements, I think, and makes the yeah. main riff sludgy as hell. Um, mm. I think it's an ever so slightly slower tempo as well. It might just be my imagination. I'm not sure. But it sounds heavy as fuck, doesn't it? I think it's a really, really good start to the record. Mm. Um, yeah, I do too. I think it's really good. Uh, I was... I, I was sort of like oh here we go um i mean i don't listen i think we had this conversation yesterday i don't listen to ministry that much if i'm being perfectly honest i mean i li- you know i know bits and bobs here and there um and i know obviously this is off of psalm 69 so that's the big ministry album but i don't really listen to ministry a hell of a lot and i sort of found myself having to go back to the original to even sort of remember what it sounded like and mm-hmm. when i did i sort of was like I think I might like the Interarmor one at least as much. I think I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it did it did make me um, dust off my copy of Psalm sixty nine as well, um, which mm. is always a good encouraging thing. I think if you're listening to yeah. the cover. So yeah, um, so far good shout. Uh, mm-hmm. Anything more to say on Scarecrow? No, no, just a strong start, really, yeah, isn't it? Strong um, start. <laughs> then followed by, I, I mean, I guess the point of covers albums really is to do something new and different with the song, and in that respect southern man by neil young um which is a great song from after the gold rush wonderful song like fantastic song um sometimes you change it to the point where you're like fucking hell i mean this is so different isn't it so when when this initially came it's i love neil young and i love after the gold rush um when this came in and maybe this Neil Young cover was the one I was most sort of worried about. It starts very, very differently. I think the way that they make that, um, I mean, it doesn't sound like a riff in the Neil Young original, but they make it a riff. And it sound, I think it sounds really cool. I think it has a distorted guitar thing that's beefed up in the same manner that Metallica's cover of Thin Lizzy's Whiskey in the Jar is or something like that. And it sounds really, really good. And then the piercing black metal vocals come in and it just made me go, oh, for fuck's sake, because I think it's an astonishingly lazy choice. Um, to, yeah. dis- to dismiss this entirely would be a bit foolhardy because I think, you know, I think the riff on electric guitar does sound fucking great. And uh, the solo is pretty cool it goes a bit iron maiden towards the end which is not what i would Mm. expected they even throw a blast beat in towards the end which again i don't think uncle neil would have done um but uh (laughs) it's 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 an angry song southern man Mm. but it's not an angry song in a shouty way it's a far more understated seething fury rather than Mm. like you know and of course the point of doing covers is to approach them differently but only if that approach works and it doesn't on this yeah i mean i did two things that i took away from that southern man the first one was that i was like fair fucking play to you for really trying to make this sound different absolutely but then at the same but then at the same time um because it is just a kind of black metal metaled up version uh, 
it wasn't really doing anything really different with it. Exactly. And what it did make me do is look down the running list, look look down the running order of this album and see Running Down a Dream by Tom Petty go, and go, uh-oh. oh God, oh God, <laughs> please no. Oh, please no, God. We'll get so to that. that was, yeah, that was my one of my things. But anyway, let's say we'll get to that. Um, yeah, not great, Southern Man. No. Um, a fairly rudimentary cover of Hard Times by the Cro-Mags. Yeah, pretty straight ahead cover. Uh, sounds heavier than the original due almost entirely to modern production techniques um mm-hmm. rather than anything else um i've put here in my notes it's fine steve probably loves it <laughs> i mean i do like it i do yeah, yeah but i do think um you're right i mean it sounds it it's 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 a sap a more savage for like chromag sound that's a strutty street big bouncy you know kind of hardcore song and they don't change the pacing of it and they don't check but they make it more of a sort of savagey metal feel to it i think yeah. it's good I think I think, it, I, I think I think I think they get away with that. It's all good. It's totally um, fine. It's totally fine. It's very straight ahead, but it's absolutely fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, ditto, March of the Pigs. Really, so March of the Pigs by Nine Inch Nails. Um, I'd say if you're going to cover Nine Inch Nails, you're on safe. You're on Hide. safe as an extreme metal band. You're on safeish territory with covering March of the Pigs, aren't you? Really? Yes, I think so. Yeah. Uh, uh, again, relatively straight ahead cover, as you said. Uh, I think they do a perfectly good job for it of, of it. Um, it doesn't hit with any more impact than the original for my money, but I think that just goes to show no. the genius of Trent Reznor's 26-year-old production job uh, mm-hmm. more, more than anything else. The fact that it doesn't hit with as much... Uh, uh, with, with the fact that it hits with the same amount of power. But yeah, per- perfectly fine. I mean, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've heard a few people covering Master of the Pigs and... Um, you know, uh, I, yeah, I, they do the same thing with it every time. Yeah. No one's ever going to sound heavier or better than it, no matter what they no. do to it. You can no. screech it and scream it and blast it up as much as you want. Exactly. You're probably not going to sound heavier in it, but you know, uh, do you need that? Not really. No. Um, curious to know what you uh, think of this one. Mm, so the girl who lives on heaven hill which is taken from husker do's new day rising Mm. album Mm. uh which of course is the record where husker do started to move a bit further away from sort of straight ahead punk rock and do a bit more post-punky stuff um it's also a song which was not written by bob mold it was written by grant hart um so you know uh it's it's um well yeah it's a most Husker Do songs uh, are written by Bob Mould. This one isn't. Um, it's a good song. The original, I think, I, it's a good I, song. I, I, I love, this. I love the uh, Husker Do original. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, I don't know that screeching the fuck out of it is gives it much. I, I mean, I think even more than for me, and you probably disagree with this, but even more for me than Southern Man, I just thought. This feels like quite a lazy choice of, mm. not lazy choice of cover, but a lazy, if you're going to do something different with it, that's quite a lazy way to do something different with it, I thought. I understand what you're saying. I was I was a bit worried about this one because I, I really do like the original. Um, I thought it worked, I, I was surprised. Um, I, I, I thought it worked just, just because by adding the blackened element, it is quite a punky song, the original, and it kind of turns it into a black and roll kind of, song in the in the manner of say entombed or um yeah, um and i 
yeah, I went into it sort of wincing a bit, but then I was sort of pleasantly surprised. I don't love it, and I certainly prefer the original, but I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I it, it, it gets more of a pass than Southern Man does for me personally. Okay, yeah, I wasn't keen. I mean, that was okay. sort of, yeah, I, I wasn't really keen on that because, again, it's like, I don't know, I just... Southern Man is at least a long way away from the original. Do you know what yes, I mean? Yes, yes. Whereas yes. this was like, oh, we can just go like make it a bit faster and screamier. And True. yeah, you know, I I can see the kind of entombed um, comparison a little bit, but I think that might be a little bit more via luck than judgment. I'm not slagging off Interama as musicians or anything, but uh, they didn't. I that didn't initially strike me. Um, in League with Satan, the cover of Venom is fucking great. I think that's brilliant now we're on really really home turf here aren't we we're on really kind of this should be uh, a two-yard tap in on into an open goal and it proves to be that because i think this is a really good cover um i like the venom original i think this is better personally again due to the recording techniques i mean you know uh we might get a couple of um uh, black metal fans sort of throwing their toys out of the pram but i think pretty much any cover of a Ven- venom song sound better than the original just because the originals are recorded so badly i have never been able to get on board with venom purely because of the production um mm. and it was just really nice to I, I i am familiar with in league with satan by uh venom but it felt like listening to the song for the first time and uh it was just like oh yeah it is a good song actually um mm. but yeah i mean i mean that 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 isn't as big a slight on venom as i mean it to be it is just the record the recordings of those venom albums are fucking shit they sound awful they sounded yeah, bad they at the time and they came out in 1980 so you know yeah. um but yeah uh yeah this is great like it um and then i sort of braced myself i've got to be honest having heard southern man i braced myself for uh running down a dream by tom petty which is such a great song such you know what i mean such a fucking great song even if you don't think you know it you know it you do you definitely know know it it. i mean yeah you, you absolutely um you definitely know it uh Renfrey, um, do you want to start with this or shall I? Um, I'm happy to start with it. Um, this is the equivalent of Alien Ant Farm's smooth criminal cover in that they've, <laughs> they've not done a single solitary thing to the song except turn the distortion up on it. Uh, it sounds great because it's a great song, but like Alien Ant Farm, it ends up being ultimately completely and utterly worthless. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Full Moon Fever is a record which... I have been sort of had had my my dad used to play that a lot. My dad is a yeah. massive massive Tom Petty fan, and Full Moon Fever is just Wonderful. such a brilliant brilliant record. It's got Went and Back Down on it. It's got um, I mean Free Falling on it. Free Falling, uh, Face so of the Crowd, mm. feel a whole lot better. It's got loads of great songs in it, and um, and this is one of them. You know, this is. is one of them, and um, yeah. I listened to it and I was like, oh God, don't scream it. And I was like, oh good, he's not screaming it. Yeah. But then I did also go, maybe you should, maybe had you have black metaled it up a bit. I mean, it is like you say, it's just like, instead of that, it is just like, like that's, that's about it really. Um, Yeah. It's a great song and it's kind of nice to hear it done in the same way as him did wicked game or whatever mm-hmm. do you know what mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. 
and I didn't, and I definitely don't hate it, but I. It's difficult. I mean, to, it's difficult to hate a song like "Running di- Down a Dream." <laughs> you yeah, know? it really. I think is. that's more um, testament to Tom Petty than it is to Interama, to be totally honest. Yeah, but I mean, one of the things when we were talking about, we were saying yesterday, there are some songs I just think just don't cover that. Just probably don't cover that. I reckon you probably, probably shouldn't cover that. And unfortunately, the last two tracks on this record are songs which I just cannot understand why you would need to cover them. I don't think they can be or need to be covered, really. Um, so running down a dream is not awful, uh, but I just it is a little bit pointless. And it did make me sort of think, well, I'm glad Inter Armour like Tom Petty and I'm glad they're having fun. Um, Purple Rain, on the other hand, uh, is a... The, lo- the, I, lowest, the lowest point in Inter Armour's career so far. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why you would cover Purple Rain. I'm. I, I'm. I'm. I mean, I'm going to. I'm going to use some rhetoric that um, goes against that ever so slightly a little bit later. But I mean, this is a this this cover in particular is just fucking appalling. It's absolutely appalling. Um, I'm guessing the delivery is tongue in cheek. I don't really know. The vocals sound like Scott Stapp drunk. Um, even if this is a joke, it's one with a seven minute, 53 second punchline. Uh, you know. Um, Not really changed the sort of composition or the no. pacing or anything. Again, it's just like, let's turn the guitar up a bit and let's kind of grizzle the vocals rather than sort of sing them. Because again, you ain't Prince, are you? <laughs> like none of, none of you are. Like, so why are you... I. I it's really odd to me that bands would... I mean, if I was a, in a band and we were doing a covers record, I would stray so far from covering anything iconic. I mean, even if I was like, we want to do a Metallica cover, right? And you're on fucking... You're, it's hard work if you wanted to do a Metallica cover. Yeah. But pick something from... You know, I'd, you'd pick like Ronnie. Do you know what I mean? From mm. Load. Or you'd like pick something from... Do one of their songs that no one ever talks about or thinks about don't do enter sandman don't do head like a hole don't do man in the mirror don't do imagine like do you remember perfect circle covered imagine it's just like why are you doing that to yourself well i i do i mean i do think there are examples where that go against that i mean um tori amos smells a oh, few it? yeah it was it tori rain and blood oh, yeah sorry i'm getting confused uh tori amos rain, rain and blood um who was the um uh, female singer songwriter who did uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit really interesting version of it uh, I don't know I'm not I sure know, I don't think I've ever well fuck it I'll throw in I mean Arcane Roots doing Smells Like Teen Spirit I think is absolutely mm-hmm. phenomenal um, for example so I don't know if I fully agree with that rhetoric and also and I'm curious to know what you thought about this I sent you a cover yesterday because we talked about this a little bit um, privately uh, I yeah. sent you a cover of um, Mutoid Man uh covering purple rain with um mm-hmm. john Baisley. <laughs> okay i can already yeah. tell you what i think of this uh with john Baisley. No, I, to be honest i you sent it to me and we we're in a, i was in the middle of making notes for this and i never listened to it so oh, okay. i don't know sorry that's fine that is a great cover um and i think it's approached in the same manner it is tongue-in-cheek but they do something like it starts ahead as a straight cover and then they go into something like totally totally different and Actually, to- i think i saw mutoid man and i think they did I think they covered. I think they 
played it live they have they do sort of bust it out live they won't like do the entire song but they do bust it out live like in the middle of one of their songs they'll just go into purple rain and then i mean i've seen them do it two or three times live um this you know the cover on um it's uh two minutes to late night it's sort of youtube kind of uh <laughs> black metal version of i don't know um those american conan chat shows conan o'brien yeah. or something like that um that is actually really good uh it's actually really good that cover so i would say that it is possible to cover these songs but fuck me you have to be really fucking good if you're gonna do it and you know mutoid man is steven brodsky from cave-in and um uh, ben collar from converge you know <laughs> those musicians are really fucking good um and i think covers albums often show the real the real kind of ability of artists and i think interama have overstretched by going for purple rain and i think it's really fucking obvious from this cover mm. really obvious it also raised the point for me is like in this day and age with the internet and so on and so forth and like bands can record a cover i mean there's been quite a few of these covers in lockdown and so on and so forth just being like um oh my God, loads fucking loads yeah it does sort of beg the ask you know beg the point is there much point in the covers album these days when if you want to do a cover and just chuck it out on the internet you can do that you know is is there really unless you're doing a jamie lenman from shuffle where like every song is so different to the original or 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 you may may not have even heard the original because some of them are so obscure that it does feel like a new record is there really any point like when you can just record a cover and whack it up on YouTube? I don't know. Well, I, I've always sort of thought that the covers albums were uh, exercises in, you know, having a laugh with your mates, which is fine. And or filling some sort of record company quota. I don't think there's many times where you could consider a covers album being a sort of integral part of a band's discography. I'd say something like Gary Jink is very, very rare. Do you know what I mean? Whereas you look at Gary, I think Gary Jink is a really great record. Like, yeah. full stop. And, I mean, Gary, again, even, you know, Gar- even Gary Jink has its ups and downs, though. Let's of course, it. yeah. I mean, I yeah. think you're never going to get one that is 100% consistent because... I just don't think you, you don't think you are. I think people have a tendency to, like you say, overstretch themselves or to, you know, deliberately go out of their way to do something, you know, wacky and different or to pick something so obvious and play it straight that you just go, what's the point? Yeah. I mean, even with like, you know, Whiskey, Whiskey in the Jar by Metallica is a fucking great cover. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's a great, great cover of a really, really well-known song. If it didn't exist you wouldn't be clambering over the world to, to get it, would you? Do you know what I mean? You've got Thin Lizzy doing whiskey in a jar. You don't need it. It's great. It's there. It's good. But, you know, you don't need that when the Thin Lizzy version is around. And even the Thin Lizzy version is a cover. So it's a cover of a cover. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think this is all right for the most part. You know, there's some pretty good stuff on it. I'm not going to... I mean, to be honest with you, the exception of In League With Satan, which I think is... And Scarecrow, which are the two sort yeah. of standout songs on here, which feel like they're they're most comfortable. I think they're comfortable doing March of the Pigs as well and probably comfortable doing Hard Times. I think they're comfortable doing those songs. I don't necessarily need that version of Hard Times. Uh, I don't necessarily... Well, I don't need that version of March of the Pigs. 
Um, but Scarecrow and In League of Satan, I think, are both good. Everything else, I don't need, to be honest. Unfortunately, it's just kind of shown up that Inter Armour are just not very good at being a very diverse band. Sorry. There you go. Um, not my words, Lynn. Uh, that is <laughs> Garba's Days Revisited by Inter Armour. And um, yeah, luckily it gets much better now because um, we're going to end the show like we normally do with what I predict will be quite a painful broken records um uncle crackers double wide released on the 30th of may 2000 it is the debut solo album from matthew schaefer aka uncle cracker little bit of backstory back at high school uh, matthew schaefer's brother was competing in a turntable competition with the then unknown bob ricky bob ritchie aka kid rock and because of that they became mates um Kid Rock asked Schaefer to, Schaefer to become the turntablist in the Twisted Brown Trucker Band, which is Kid Rock's backing band. And he did. And thus despite, set in motion... Despite, sorry, him, despite him having no turntable experience at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, and thus set in motion a chain of events that surely contributed to some of the worst crimes in musical history. Uh, with the success of Kid Rock's album's Dev Without a Cause and The History of Rock, which were both massive, massive albums back in the day. Uncle Cracker decided to release his solo album because, well, why wouldn't anyone want that? I mean, obviously he did. That was surely what the world was uh, was calling out for. Um, yeah. Uh, Kid Rock co-produced this record along with a gentleman called Michael Bradford who has production credits on the soundtrack to both American Pie 2 and Sweet Home Alabama with Reith Witherspoon. He also did Blackout by Head P.E., Weird Revolution by The Butthole Surfers, Rapture of the Deep by Deep Purple and Disney's Superstar Hits. That's some serious range that Michael Bradford has got there. He's also worked with the likes of Ringo Starr, Madonna, Terence Trent Darby, Cooler Shaker, New Radicals, Run DMC, and Dave Stewart. So, mm. like I say, mixed bag. Range. 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 He's definitely got, range. Yeah, 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 definitely yeah. range. Um, the album was recorded on tour, on their tour bus, on the Kid Rock tour bus in various parking lots and arena backstage areas uh, across America um, with the intention of melding the country stylings that were um, the, the the band's background with the oh-so-popular at the time hip-hop rock crossover stylings. Uh, on release, it reached number seven on the US Billboard Top 200 and has gone on to sell... Two million copies in America. So presumably, Renfrey, this is the sort of thing that, much like we discussed last year with Hootie and the Blowfish, was only really a kind of big deal in America, right? Well, wrong, mm. wrong. Number three in Germany, number five in Austria, number fifteen in Australia, number thirteen in Switzerland, number sixteen in Sweden, and shamefully, at number forty, it broke into the UK top forty charts as well. How the fuck did this happen? Um, I mean, in the era, I guess, of the one-hit wonder new metal pop punk thing that was going on, I guess people just wanted a little bit of that. They wanted another kind of quirky hit single from one of these bands and the single Follow Me, which is just a kind of easy 
inoffensive version of what Kid Rock was already doing uh, in the era of massive nepotism where Alien Ant Farm, Edema, Godhead and others were about to become media darlings off the back of just knowing people that are already more famous than them. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Follow Me became a hit and then the album came out and staggeringly, the reviews of the record that I found are fairly positive. Yes. Drowned in Sound gave it 8 out of 10, saying the record is so full of many great lines and visions, it's hard to pinpoint one or two for this review. So my advice is, buy this album and find them yourself. Entertainment Weekly gave it a good review too, and A, Double Wide's Many Treats are tastier than an all-you-can-eat smorgasbord, and Follow Me deserves to dominate the summer airwaves. All Music gave it 7 out of 10 and said, at times the album does sound a bit recycled, but when you're having this much fun at a party, who really cares? Who knows how long the formula will remain fresh, but on Double Wide, Uncle Cracker hits like a house full of raucous dynamite. I even found an old article from a site called Transverso Media that paid tribute to it on its 15th birthday in 2015, saying that they still hum the iconic guitar line from Follow Me to this day. For fuck sake there were a couple of dissenting voices av music didn't like it saying cracker has the bland almost apologetic delivery of an artist doomed to forever play the role of hapless sidekick and rocks polished production merely emphasizes how moronic cracker's lyrics are and in a rare positive mention robert christigou just put an early emoji of a face being sick as his review on his site again your job is to review albums mate i mean you (laughs) probably should have done a bit more than that but at least uh, he was right about the quality of the record overall but over but in general not a critical disaster like most of the records that we put in here so why is it in here why is uncle cracker in here um I'm just going to take this for a second before I bring okay. in. I think there's a few reasons. Um, the critics might not have been too disgusted by it, but it seems fans of both rock music and country music were. Uh, there's an aggregator site called Album of the Year, and the critical score is 85%, whilst the customer score is a far more accurate 10%. Um, rate Your Music um, is almost a better judge for it. There's more reviews on there. Has it out of two out of five from 148 reviews. Just looking down the quick glance at the quotes, you'll see stuff like, why do people like this guy? There are some questions that will just never be answered, I guess. Is he Kid Rock's retarded brother? It was a different time, guys. Um, Excuse my language. (laughs) I feel cheated out of my 20 bucks. I feel embarrassed for some of these songs. Follow Me is an auto-tuned atrocity made for middle-aged redneck women. Um, There are 10 lists on the site. You can make a list of albums on the site. The album is included on 10 separate lists. Those lists include Worst Albums of 2000, Bad Meaning Bad, The Worst Albums I've Ever Heard, and just for a bit of balance, Album Covers with Cars. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, (laughs) Which, you know, love Album Covers with Cars. Uh, On Sputnik Music, it has a score of 2.3 out of 5. Um, over a mere 22 ratings most of them giving it no more than two but then there is one dude out of them that bumped that score up by giving it a five out of five classic rating the last rating was last year and it gives it 0.0 out of five so that's kind of where we are with that record and it's that kind of long-term opinion of this record i think which has seen it enter into the pantheon of broken records i actually forgot 
to read out the list, but I'll do that at the end and then we can find and work out where it is. Sorry about that. That's but fine. it's just that I wanted to get into this because I fucking hate this piece of shit, Renfrey. Mm. I hate this fucking album so much. Mm. Yes. Um, yes, so do I. Um, where do we start? Uh, let's start the intro. Let's start at the beginning. Uh, the intro is called Intro. Um it is an exchange between Kid Rock and Mr. Cracker, in which Kid Rock is sending his young protégé out into the world. Uh, Cracker has a crisis of con- conscience and asks, what if I don't make it? To which Mr. Rock replies, fuck what? And tell if to suck my dick. Hilarious. Good, uh, good advice. Mr. Rock also suggests that Mr. Cracker's success is, give- is a given, which must have been a bit of singing the sail tale for Mr. Cracker with his one hit wonder over a 20 year career. Uh, and Mr. Well, Rock, two million albums sold. Well, no, that's know, a point. depressingly. Mr. Rock then signs off with a joke of sorts saying, now remember the most important thing I taught you when it gets crazy out there with the money and the girls and the fame, make sure you pinch it at the top before you roll it down. Uh, fetch me a nurse, Steve. I believe my sides are splitting. Hilarious. Yeah. We're 90 seconds into this album. I've already taken it, taken against it in vehement fashion. Um, I mean, who on earth listens to a track like Intro and thinks, oh, this is going to be good? Or this is, <laughs> this, this is going to be a good start to the record, you know? Yeah. You told me in a private conversation before, you li- before I listened to this record that we might have a contender to beat Methods of Mayhem. We'll uh, get to that in a bit, but go on. Mm. Yeah. Now, forgive me for saying so, Steve. But occasionally you have a tendency to exaggerate things, in my opinion. After hearing this, I shall never doubt you again, Steve. And I would like to publicly apologise for ever doubting you. (laughs) Um, After intro, uh, after, after that exchange between Mr. Rock and Mr. Cracker, you would expect a world-changing belter of a track to come in, which is going to melt your face or just just be absolutely absolute pure gold but instead we get better days which sounds like it was recorded on a cheap casio keyboard as does the entire Mm -hmm. record it's mid-tempo country and western tinged twaddle that sounds like it was uh that sounds like it was literally written as it was being recorded i think the sheer audacity of introducing your album by insinuating that Uncle Cracker has this successful recording career in the bag. I appreciate that this album did do very, very well. I mean, but it makes Kanye West look humble. You know, <laughs> it's just awful. It's so bad. This album sounds so cheap. It sounds like Muzak. Um, I mean, Follow Me, the hit single, sounds like Smash Mouth and Matchbox 20 combined, and yet somehow manages to sound even worse than both of those bands uh i I don't know i don't know how he does it but it's absolutely awful crap it's just it's awful i i i I I absolutely hate it i mean yeah you're right better days is terrible and then you've got kid rock grunting over what you're looking at which is is so bad i mean oh, I, the first two i, I the, but the thing is is that you know follow me is the big hit on this is this album and it starts off you just go what an arrogant prick then you go what a shit sounding piece of shit and then you're like there's your mate who's more famous than you fronting the fucking song and just like grunting all at everyone and then you get to the big hit 
And it's absolutely... Th- that song is terrible. It's awful. It is terrible. In mm. what fucking world that auto-tuned, bland... Do you know what it sounds like? Have you ever seen Basketball? The South yes. Park guys yeah, yeah, doing... Yeah. Ba- There's this like country where they're, what would you do? You know, that kind yes. of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it, it sounds like this. It sounds like they have done a joke. I mean, the next song, um, Heaven, sounds like fucking that cross with Parappa the Rapper. And, you know, we're only into like five songs. And I was just like, please stop. Please, please, God, stop this album straight away. I mean, I, they I, had, start to li- sta- I had to listen to this album in three sittings. Yeah, they they start the song Steaks and Shrimp by going, clap your hands to the beat. Uh-huh, we don't stop. I mean, at the end, and then it ends with them going, bitch, like ICP. Mm. And I just think, this is all of the worst thing. I mean, this is why... I think this is the worst. Like I'm going to shout out now. Like there's a song called Whiskey and Water, Run Off With Your Daughter, which has this bloody, what sounds like a synthesized harmonica behind it. And it's dire. It's dire. And if you're going to go at Uncle Cracker himself as well, he's hardly on the fucking record. Yeah. Kid Rock is on the record more than his cunts on it. Mm. Right. You know how Shaggy used to release a song and it would just be someone else singing. Usually Sting these days, but it'd just be someone else <laughs> singing it. And he'd just go Shaggy. Yeah. And then... He's like, like Roger. he's gone, Claim, claimed it. Like I said, Shaggy, so it's my song. Mm. I mean, Shaggy's on his songs more than this cunt's on any of it. Mm. It's fucking terrible. Um, this to me is a worse version of Methods of Mayhem because country music is rubbish, mm. right? But that middle of the road country music is rubbish. Mm. And white blokes rapping is it's rubbish, rubbish, right? I mean, at least Methods of Mayhem, you had the white blokes rapping, mixed with industrial and at least industrial music can be good country music can't be good it's never good i mean this is country pop and bad rapping and it's not even got the cred of people like george clinton and snop doog um like methods of, <laughs> like methods of mayhem had on it it's not even got that little bit of i mean you look at the people that are on it it's kid rock all the fucking time someone called freddie beauregard paradigm James Trombley, like, do you know what I mean? It's not even filled up with Fred. It's not even filled up with Fred Durst and fucking um, Little Kim. It's like the people, you go, you're not even anyone. Mm. And I mean, methods that might make methods of mayhem worse because it's like, well, you should have known. What are you doing here? You should have known better. But methods of mayhem is terrible because it's ruining. I mean, what is what? It's, it's terrible because it's it's taking a type of music which could maybe be good like the idea of a sort of industrial metal tinge stuff it's like that that can actually be good nine inch nails are good but this country pop thing is there's nothing ever has ever been good from it ever it does not exist a good version of that does not exist Mm. it's not possible to make that music good and to mix that with like turn of the millennium rap rock by fat rednecks (laughs) Fuck off. It is a war crime, this album. It's, <laughs> it's, it is truly dreadful. Um, I was um, I was desperately clinging on and trying to find something positive to say about it. And around two thirds of the way in, I was like, you know what? At least this album, I think it's offensively bad in that musically it's offensively bad. But at least there haven't been any kind of like 
up to that point i i didn't i didn't pick out any like offensive lyrics you know or offensive lyric bits and then whiskey in the water comes in which i think i think is about um well the the chorus goes you put some whiskey in the water gonna run off with your daughter and if i make it to the border i'm gonna be all right i mean isn't that a song about kidnapping a a woman by spiking their drink um kind of sounds like it is to me uh i mean the plan's hardly foolproof surely you'd use a liquid which is the same color quote unquote as water (laughs) not that i'm condoning that sort of behavior uh or anything i'm just pointing out that not only is it potentially outlining a kidnapping plot but it's also outlining a potential kidnapping plot conceived by a fucking dumbass um Mm. but you know and then and like i I don't know i should point out in the second verse there's a line that suggests the protagonist in the song has taken the wrong path and there is a tiny semblance of remorse in the third verse as the protagonist stares at the bottom of an empty glass and admits his future looks grim but even then he's remorseful because he keeps running away from his past as opposed to spiking a woman's drink and fucking kidnapping her you know he's basically remorseful because he's gonna get caught i mean what the actual fuck and this is when I read up on it even further, it's even more sobering and even worse when you consider that in 2007, Schaefer was arrested for a second degree sex offence charge. Yes. And released now. on $75,000 bond. I know. I was going to bring this up after I mentioned that past after this album, he actually released five more albums since and the scores get lower and lower and lower the longer he do. gets into his career. Hence why I think people are now looking back at this and going, ah, oh, yeah, it was rubbish. But yes, you're right. Um, a 26-year-old woman made claims against him in a nightclub. Apparently, he had to be forcibly removed from the situation um, because by all accounts, he put his hands up the woman's skirt and she hit him for doing that. Fine. So... He hit her back. What a cunt. Unbelievable cunt. Um, It gets gets worse as well, Renfrey. So he, in the aftermath of this, pleaded guilty to a lesser charge of Mr. Medina Mm. so that he didn't have to go on trial for sexual assault. He got a $1,500 fine and a 12-month suspended sentence. He said he regrets the incident, but he doesn't regret his reaction to being hit. That was the fucking incident, you (laughs) cock. What do you think the incident is? Well, that was that was sounds part- like he's very remorseful, doesn't he? What a <laughs> well, exactly. fucking wanker! Yeah, what, what does a- he think the incident was? Like, I oh, know I don't regret punching that woman in the face. I don't regret doing that. <laughs> but the incident, what I mean, what I regret is, I regret that I got hit. Well, he he was what he, a knob. I mean, yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, the the incident technically, he he was arrested on the second degree sex offence. Um, now I I looked up. <laughs> bit grotty but i looked up the definition of a second degree sex offense and i found this on the website of james e crawford jr and associates uh, mm-hmm. which sounds very official to me uh the victim must allege that the defendant committed the offense by some act of force or threat of force and the victim is a mentally handicapped or otherwise disabled individual sometimes this crime is also charged against individuals who attempt to commit statutory rape it is a felony which paints it in an even more grim picture. I mean, I mean, it, it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse, really, doesn't and, it? And look, as as I said earlier on in the show, right? I, I am not going to sort of like. There, there could be people that would do that, who, and there probably are loads of people who have done stuff like that whose music I still listen to. Mm. But at the end of the day, no matter we're only pointing this out because 
we've got a grudge against him because <laughs> double wide is such a spectacularly bloody awful record like with no redeeming features whatsoever um i think i would i actually, i actually think i would struggle to to listen to an artist if they'd done that and then also not shown the remorse that they probably should have shown afterwards i mean i mean it, it, it's it's a personal thing for everyone and i don't make judgments with that sort of thing because we've discussed this a lot in the past but i i mean I, I probably would struggle with that to be honest um it's but yeah there's just nothing i mean i mean he released two albums after that whole incident you know in 2009 yeah. he released happy hour in 2012 he released midnight special um he released a single this year on the 1st of may 2020 do you know this did he no i didn't know that um i don't know if this is appropriate or not because i mean we've just talked talked about something you know not funny in the slightest i mean just to, just to bring it out of the mire just a little bit and and just laugh at this ridiculous toss pot uh, for a moment. Uh, the song's called it's called no uh, no time to be sober, and it's about the current COVID epidemic. And I just thought, <laughs> oh God. I'm just going to read. You know I like oh to do no. this. Just going to read the first first verse, the chorus, and the second verse because it is worth it. Uh, I'm at my local Winn-Dixie feeling kind of risky because I forgot my surgical mask and it seems the town is with me because, man, the looks are shifty. I get from every person I pass. I'm just here to stock up on spirits and get a few things for my home. So please just someone tell me why all the toilet paper's gone. That's the first verse. What the fuck? <laughs> so the, the chorus is, this ain't no time to be sober. This ain't no time to be sober. There's a place and uh, there's a time and place to hide your face and I got nothing but time to waste. This ain't no time to be sober. And then the second verse, I've I've had my fellow Zoom meetings, emotional eating since five o'clock till arriving round noon, just no time. And I swear this paranoia, man, it can destroy you. Every time I cough, I swear that I'm through. I'm like six feet from my sanity, just trying to get back and figure out why Carol Baskin fed her husband to that cat. <laughs> I am not, be, I, you know, I... <laughs> Um, we say things and we're usually with our tongue f planted firmly on our cheek. But honestly, I would love Uncle Cracker to get coronavirus. I'd love it. <laughs> yeah. I'd love it. Yeah. I would honestly, I would, I would pray for that. At, at, at time <laughs> he seems like not only is he, is he sound like a massive, massive, massive cunt of a human being. Yeah. His music is staggeringly bad. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I genuinely i i never thought i never i honestly thought we'd be two years from now we'd be going and still at number one methods of mayhem yeah. that's still at number one but methods of mayhem is better than this i cannot yes. don't know how you quantify it but methods of mayhem is better and all of the other records that we've talked about are definitely better than this i know, mean the eorgan album sounds like fucking abbey road compared to this <laughs> the other thing that i found massively depressing at time of recording uncle cracker gets a little shy of four and a half million listens a month on spotify the last time the last time i felt that despondent about a humanity at large was when trump got elected <laughs> you know it's, it's the same people awful. Well, be the yeah, same people. of course it's the same people it's just 
it, it's it's absolutely every single angle that you look at this record from every single one it's an atrocious obnoxious toxic piece of shit it's just awful absolutely yeah. it's 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 yeah war crime yeah I mean, I honestly, off. like, there's, I mean, God, even the fucking Towers of London, it, like, is a million miles away from this. Six feet under, and I'm looking at the other albums, and I'm like, I, they all seem good to me. Like, they actually, I'm like, oh, man, I might stick on Viva Brother or Dirty Vegas after this. Do you know what I mean? Like, in comparison <laughs> to this, mm. Viva mm. Brother seemed like the best fucking band in the bloody Oasis compared mm. to, do you know what I mean? I, it's, it's... It's atrocious. I, I, I it's don't... astonishing how bad this record is and I, I feel like we've you know I, I i wonder what else is in this hat because there's some shit that i've never heard before and i have to say i just remember follow me coming out and i just remember thinking why is this on kerrang yes why is this Same. on on Same. on um mtv2 what who is this guy and then it got reviewed in hammer and i was like what is going on who is this person where has he come from and then people are like, ah, he's mates with kid rock and i was like well that doesn't mean he should be able to inflict his fucking boring like country music on people exactly. what yeah. the fuck so obviously yeah. i never listened to the album until now and i mean i don't i can't even pick a worse song on it i can't even pick a word steaks and shrimp is off and who's your shit like who's your uncle we haven't even spoken about oh. that which is a right little i mean again that is a not only is it terrible it's a it's just per, like the whole thing feels icky and pervy mm. and gross and like he's patting himself on the back so fucking hard it's just dreadful. And I cannot believe, I cannot believe that this has sold 2 million records. I mean, you look at all the others and you go, haha, yeah, it was a disaster. No one cared about Methods of Mayhem. They sold half a million copies. This is 2 million copies this mm. sold. Mm. No one cared about Towers of London. Eorgan went back to become a, he's a footballer now or something. No one ever listened to Six Feet Under or, you know, Queen and Paul Rogers, Paul Rogers. Like, most of them are like, ha, and then you got what you deserved. This sold 2 million records. And for that as well, I think we need to go, yeah, this is for you. For every knobhead who bought this, yeah. yeah, this is for you as well. For the 4.5 million people, well, it's not 4.5 million people, but the, for, for the 4.5 million listens he gets a month on Spotify still to this day, this is for you. It's an absolute atrocious piece of shit. It's awful. I'm just putting it in. I've just written yeah, oh yeah, it yeah, number, yeah, one. number one. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, it's absolutely number one. And I can't, if it, how, because how can anything knock this off the top of it? How can anything knock this off? I don't know. You don't Although... be like a snuff. We could be given a, like an audio of a snuff film. And I just think like, I'd go, it's better than double wide. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, it seems that these people seem like nicer people than Uncle Cracker. Just yeah. fucking horrendous. So the rundown: Bob Dylan self-portrait, Lou Reed and Metallica's Lulu, Lou Reed's Metal Machine music, Liz Fair's self-titled uh, album, Lauren Hill's MTV 2.0 Unplugged, William Shatner's The Transform Man, Black and White Rainbows by Bush. New albums are very good. Enemy Streets in the Sky, Dirty Vegas is one. Viva Brothers, famous first words. Louis the Fourteenth, Slick Dogs and Ponies, Queen and Paul Rogers, The Cosmos Rocks, Richard Ashcroft's United Nations of Sound, Eogan Quigg's self-titled debut, which is now. <laughs> actually only fifth on the list which is pretty fucking mental uh six feet under graveyard classics volume two towers of london's blood sweat and towers methods of mayhem self-titled debut album and the debut album from uncle cracker the worst record i think i may have ever heard in my entire fucking life um it's up there and just a horrible 
horrible person, just a horrible, a horrible thing, a horrible, horrible, horrible thing, like a combination of all the worst possible, like a nightmare come to life, mm. mm-hmm. like an actual nightmare. Mm-hmm. Like waking up in the car, the white men are rapping. Oh, country music! Ah, <laughs> oh, he's gonna beat up all. Do you know what I mean? It's like some sort of nightmare. Mm. Um. Anyway, let's pick another album. Let's fuck that off because poor. Uh, uh, surely, I mean, whatever's coming out next is like I, phew. I've, I've got. I'm going after Uncle Cracker. I'm I probably swear. Gonna be... I swear. I've got a tension headache from from talking about this record. I I, I just. Oh, I don't believe it. it. I don't yeah. believe it. We've got another <laughs> one of these fucking bands. Theory of a Dead Man. Oh, the truth sake. is, <laughs> I was like, the one thing I don't want to come out is another bloody Stetson wearing bunch of wankers, and that's exactly what we've got. <laughs> Fucking Stetson cunts. Um, is it laughter? Is it tears? I'm not sure myself. Oh my god! I don't want to do. I feel like putting that. I can't put it back. Can no, I? I can't put no, it back. Can no, we just edit this out? No, um, no. So yeah, next week theory of a dead man um who will probably sound quite good in comparison to uncle cracker but i'm not a band that i have a lot of time for i have to i be mean honest. we could just fuck off the podcast and never do and this again what? just so that we don't have to <laughs> listen to it <laughs> we could we could I mean, just surely we've got over the worst of it we've just done uncle cracker we've, we've got over the worst we've of had it. a good run <laughs> like do mm, we really nice. need to subject ourselves to that probably uh, not um all right anyway we'll be back next week talking about theory of a dead man uh, I don't know what else is out next week. Um, we may do a catch-up show next week. I have. I do a catch-up show. Yeah, 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 fair enough. All right, well, lovely. Look, we'll see you next week. Thanks very much. Remember to um, go over and sign up for your courses at musicism.net and go over to patreon.com forward slash podcast where you can get our Screen Bloody Gore Rioters review right now. And if you feel like you want to give us a fiver, you're going to be able to get Park Life on uh, Monday, which I'm looking forward to listening to. It was good, that. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Uh, all right, cool. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Um, we'll, see, we'll see you next week. See you next Bye. Week. Bye.